Does Bonner's voice give you tinglies in your no-no spot? To the Socks Cast, Poncho Smith's favorite masturbatory aid. I'm Polly, and today I ate a whole box of hot tamales. And that's really cool. Uh, today's episode is super special. This is episode 12.1. Today we're going to do our normal yippity yap thing where we talk about our junk. Literally, we're going to talk about some junk here today. Um, so you're going to want to stay tuned for this. Uh, and then next week, we'll be dropping another episode. We usually bi-weekly on this thing, but uh, we're going to do another episode uh, next week, and we're going to do a big old spoiler cast on The Last of Us. So, um, hey, if you want to talk to us about The Last of Us, shoot us an email at podcast.socksmakepeoplesexy.net, and we'll try to get to it next week. Um, but with that said, let's get on to business. To my immediate virtual right, Toho Reference, it's Rhett. <laughs> Hi. How you doing, Rhett? Doing okay. It's fucking snowing constantly here. Oh, it's fucking cold as balls here, too. Um, how's your dong? My what? Your dong. Your it's penis. Fine. Your pecker. A little cold. A little cold? Is it, did it shrink a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to ask another question. <laughs> um, do you prefer to talk up or down? Like oh. like when you're like when you're done doing your thing that you do with your ding along a doodong day, do, <laughs> do you uh, do you tuck up or down or is it like tilted to the side or like how do you how do you handle your business? Don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> what it's okay. You have a pecker, uh-huh. right? You have a pecker. We can we can like I can probably. Boy, this episode started off so great, and now here we are. <laughs> I. I I'm just asking a simple question. Okay, it's like, okay, you're sitting just down right now, question. right? You're, you're sitting down right now, right? Uh-huh. How is your man meat positioned? Like, is it pointing oh, forward? Up. Is it up? Up. Okay, okay. And do you have a special name? that no. you that, Like, okay, because, like, so, like, when you're in, like, casual conversation and you're trying to talk about your wing-wong, you don't, like, like, do you call it, like, your dick, your pecker? <laughs> like, what do you call it? I don't know, because you're the only one who seems to keep making references to it. Well, see, the thing is, like, when I talk about, you know, your junk, and I, and I do on a daily basis, I'm like, uh-huh. boy, I sure wish Rhett's ding-along-a-doodong day was in my mouth. And that is a mouthful of a phrase to try and say, but so is your ding-along-a-doodong day. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um... I'm just I, I'm just trying to make sure you're comfortable is all. I know that this podcast oh, very is very comfortable. <laughs> okay. That's <laughs> that's what I aim to do. I want all of my co hosts to be comfortable and, and just happy to be here and I'm glad that you are. And the fact yeah. that you're tucked up means that you're in a good mood, I think. <laughs> so, I had no idea what the tucking meant or like Dude, stop. Two stop. minutes there. <laughs> Me too. It's pretty confusing. And to my immediate virtual left, your milk is his shit. His shit is your milk. It's John Fire. What? I mean, hi. <laughs> How's it going, John? I'm doing really well, thanks. So, got a cup of tea. I'm cozy. Got so, a I'm going to ask you a question now, if you don't mind. Like, if you were going to, if you were going to talk about 
Ritz Man Train, what would you call it? I I just kind of did a word association thing, and the first thing that came to mind, came to mind was his Eiffel Tower. I, I, what the uh, fuck? With as big as he is, I think Eiffel Tower actually works. <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing all right, John. How's the weather in fucking Florida? I hate you. Uh, about 60 to 70 degrees. I was going to bring it up, so thank you for bringing it up first. No, I, have that, to pre- I had to preemptively hate you. Pretty much sunny. Pretty much sunny every day, too. That's cool. We got two feet of snow. Fantastic. Oh, that sounds awful. We've got to deal with that. We've only got about two inches or so headed our way. Oh, it's still so wet and gross, though, and you have to, like, shovel things. Awful. Must be such a pain to deal with. It's it not. Is. It's yeah. Last I heard, Red enjoys it. Uh, Do you he, get frost on your windshields? Dude, I get I get snow on my windshield, and then I have oh, to scrape oh. the ice off that's under it because it froze. Oh, that's awful. And then I can't imagine having to deal with that. And I like Rhett, have your doors ever frozen shut? Uh no, that hasn't happened. You haven't had that happen? Oh yeah, that's always super fun. When mm-hmm. or or like the lock mechanism, it can get uh frozen too. Oh. I've ha- I've had that happen, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, it can get pretty bad here with the heat sometimes. You know, I have to like turn on a fan or drink some water when it gets hot. Oof. I guess what, guys? We got somebody on the hamper seat who's probably not going to annoy me. The hamper seat is filled again. It's been a while since we've had a guest. Uh, It's been, what, about two months or so, I think. Ran them all off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But on the hamper seat with his nice and big old butt, he's got a big old butt, trust me. (laughs) It is his royal scrubbliness himself, the McRib of the Sox cast... It's Boner! How you doing? How are you doing, Mr. Man? So, I've got a bone to pick with you. Do you now? Ha! Bone. You outed me as the replacement, John. Oh. We like, can uh, we can bleep that. No, you outed me as the replacement, John. It happened on two podcasts. Oh. <gasps> I thought everybody was just completely fooled. No one was any the wiser. I and then. Up. And then you go and say that this the first time Boner was on the podcast, as if there were a second. I fucked up. This oh, is I'm the s- biggest scandal since everyone found out <laughs> Millie Vanilli did not sing their own songs. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't really like the phrasing replacement John. More like temporary John or substitute John. No, John. Your writing's on the wall. Yeah. I'm, I'm... I... Like, I, I can't issue, like an official statement on this yet because lawyers and all of that but like I, it's rumored on joystick oh, no, oh. No. That's, that's wrong no no i know some people Look, you, you all know that you need like you got your you got your smart person and your happy person and whatever but you know you need a cool person on the podcast right that's why yeah, we have replacing a real that's why well, where have... the fuck you're gonna find one of those <laughs> well, I, did, I was i'm the cool person I, is the cool one is what i was saying which charlie's angel are you what's that <laughs> oh my god what wait <laughs> Do you not? Do you okay, not hold know? on. Let me skew a little younger. Which Ninja Turtle are you? I only barely know that one. Uh, I, I, well, Donatello, right? He's the cool one. Which Teletubby are you? 
<laughs> I don't know Teletubbies really well. <laughs> and I'm obviously the blue Power Ranger. Again, the cool one. He kind of looks like yeah, you, are... only a little bigger. Your name no, is the he's smart the, He's the blue Turbo Power Ranger, the one that was a 12-year-old kid who turns into a full-size <laughs> adult when he morphs. <laughs> But he still has a little kid voice in the dubs. <laughs> oh, man. I remember that vividly. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, Boner, I do hope that you can forgive me. We will do our best to cover this up uh, in an ethical way, I assure you. Um, I, I just it is do- all about ethics and pretending to be someone you're not on yes. an audio show. I, I just do hope that you can forgive me um, and that we can move past this. Um, Send me Oreos in the mail and we'll think about it. Don't think I won't. So, um, <clears throat> Boner, how's, yes. things, how's, how's things been? Uh, things have been all right. So, not being a resident of Florida, but rather what I like to call Florida's pubic hair. Um, the weather has gotten down to below freezing, but we have not seen snow yet. Uh, this time last year, we did get hit by some dog shit ice storms. And being the troglodytes that we were, we uh, were completely unprepared to deal with it. Um, and just like all kinds of nasty things happen, we were without power um, in my neighborhood for 48 hours. And um, I'm really hoping that doesn't happen again. If it does, I'll probably just um, sit out there and freeze to death like the end of The Shining. Oh, I keep hoping that, that like, I keep telling myself and giving myself this ray of hope that it's like, oh, it's February now. There's just one more month. We can escape this. That's what I keep telling myself. Light at the end of the tunnel. Light at the end of the tunnel. So, Boner, like, what would you call Rhett's dick? Um, I, I would probably call it the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Mm, yeah, like, hey, that's a good point, that, Rhett. There's, like, when you've got nah, a heart, when you've got a nah. heart on. <laughs> That doesn't like, work at all. Like, well, okay, so you're like straight, like just perfectly straight, like the Eiffel Tower. Oh, so you don't like have any kind of bend, or you don't point up, or anything <laughs> when you're erect, when you're fully erect and throbbing. <laughs> For a second, I thought you said fully erect. <laughs> <laughs> over. This podcast is over. Start it over. Roll the main theme again. We're the awesome socks cast. We're a podcast where we only we're PG thirteen. You'll never hear anything dirty on this podcast. To my immediate we- virtual right, it's Rhett. Hey, look, and to my immediate virtual left, it's John Thayer. And on the hamper Hi. seat, we've got Boner. How you Hi. doing, Boner? So Boner, why don't we like actually get this stupid thing started? Um, and why don't you give us a heads up on what the hell have you been up to? Uh, I've been playing some video games. Why would, you, um, why would you do that? That's dumb. Why would you come on this podcast and talk about video games? What do we look like? A video game podcast? I Well, it's audio, so I can't tell you what it looks like. I don't like you very much. <laughs> Holly got shut down. That, that was supposed to be the Skype hang-up sound. <laughs> the Super Mario World curtain call sound. <laughs> 
So you've been playing video games. I guess I will allow you to talk about them. Uh, what have you been playing? Well, um, I want to just narrow it down to things that I've been more recently playing because uh, the holidays did let me see a lot of things that I had kind of missed over the course of the year. But one thing that has stood out in my mind is a game that was released quite recently and it actually went on sale on Steam. So, hey, it was an impulse buy because, you know what, I like cats and just like goofy, dumb games. So I picked up Cat Goes Fishing. By uh, Cat5 Entertainment, um, having nothing to do with cabling. So this game is basically what it sounds like. You're a cat, and your goal is to catch fish. Um, Most of the times, everybody's favorite mechanic in any Japanese RPG. And Sonic Adventure. Oh, And Sonic Adventure. You probably definitely... Felt you were really feeling Big the Cat on that game, huh? I don't know. I, when I played Sonic Adventure, I played through Sonic's um, campaign, and then I started uh, the the robot, and then I just kind of got bored. <laughs> and hey, check it out! Sonic works his way into another Sox cast. Of course, he's way past cool. The robot's way the best one, though. <laughs> so, so the cat way goes the cat fishing. goes fishing works is. You start off, it's very basic, and the mechanic really is just, um, like, as you can imagine with most fishing games, you know, you, you it's timing-based when you make your cast. Um, so it starts out simplistically like that, but what kind of makes this one different is there's just many different breeds of fish, and they all kind of have different behaviors. So when you catch um, small fish, you can either sell that fish or throw it back as bait, which that becomes medium-sized bait and it lets you catch medium fish and likewise medium bait medium fish you can turn into large bait and catch large fish with so the mechanic of catching the fish and selling them uh unlocks your upgrades and that's where the game really extends its own replay value because it just gates the upgrades in such a way that you could probably be playing this game for months on end until you uh, see all the things because there are um, there are boats you can get that let you move faster and carry more fish at a time because you can only sell fish when you're at shore and that's also the only time you can uh, buy or change rods. Um, you can also get modifiers for your rods that allow you to either have faster crank speed or certain types of fish can't catch them even though they're little fuckers that don't play by small fish rules who try to eat large bait even though you have the mod that doesn't allow them to eat large bait um but it's just one of those things that you'll pick up and play for a few minutes and it's fun but i've put over six hours into it by now because i really do have no life i I like the aesthetic i think it's really cute it is but it's also really raw so like they're there aren't a whole lot of animations in the game, which isn't that bad in of itself, but it also has exactly one song. Oh, and, no. Oh. <laughs> so it's kind of like a cute, like, happy, folksy thing. It almost sounds like like a kid's activity book uh, play-along record weird thing like that, but it just it just loops, and you'll either get so blind to it that you'll just leave it on or you'll mute it and put something else on. Which uh, brings me to the second problem about the game. 
it really has no options oh. to speak of, and I mean like at all. Like <laughs> it's like the barest of bones in terms of trying to configure it in any way. So you can open the game, and you can minimize it, and you can close it. <laughs> Those are some big options. PC it's, gaming's coming a long way. It's really weird, because you can't change resolutions, you can't change audio settings at all, and you can't, um, as far as I can tell, other than uninstalling the game, you can't set your progress back to a bare slate, say, if, like, somebody else wanted to jump on your computer and play the game um getting back to the sound thing the only way i've imagined you can do anything with the sound is if you're using a modern os i.e not windows xp you can open up the mixer and mute just that application oh well that's that's you know that's a workaround i guess (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you can totally. It's a really that. stupid workaround. Yeah, yeah. There are a couple other games I have on Steam that are like that. They don't have any options whatsoever. They tend to be either like game maker projects or um, like really weird like Japanese games that are a bit older. So I almost thought that this was actually supposed to be a phone game or something that they just hastily ported to PC. That's what it looked like to me at first. That's what I thought too. Yeah, but it, 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 well, like it was those a old flash games like um, the Learn to Fly type deal. Yeah, it kind of really is. But it was a Steam Greenlight game, and um, as far as I can tell, that that Steam version is the only one that's available. So I've, I'm just scratching my head over like they couldn't have at least kicked me a um, you know a quit button. And something to reset the the save to blank slate and maybe like a audio level. I mean that that would have been just the bare minimum. But hey, it's a fun game. I I don't know if I could recommend it at full price. But if you're like me and you like really dumb things, then you could probably do worse. Of course, I, I put like six really hours dumb. Into it. Of course, I like really dumb things. I have John on my podcast. <sighs> Poor John. <laughs> Oh, it, sorry, I, I I missed that. Of course you did. Okay. So what else have you been in? So what else have you been into, Boner? So briefly, oh. I just want to mention um, that our good friend Poncho Smith uh, recently got into uh, streaming Vigi games for the internet. Yes, yes. And Hitbo- uh, hitbox.tv slash Ponchi PLS. And so the inaugural game that he uh, started streaming was a visual novel by the name of Analog, A Hate Story. Fantastic game. So um, you actually gifted me this and um, Hate Plus. Uh, they were on sale two weeks ago, I think. Yeah, I think and they were. So I fired up Analog just to see what it was like. And um, yeah, so... I really don't get into the whole... So so the, anybody who's not uh, familiar with um, this game is that you're basically reading logs from a... You're, you're on a mission to salvage a derelict ship in space. And the entirety of the game is reading these logs, uh, trying to figure out what happened on the ship, and interacting with these AI companions who look like young girls. And I I don't really get so much into the logs and like the backstory of the whole weird um, backward seed ship feudal Korean society that kind of devolved from when this uh, colony ship was launched. But it's it's really it's really 
neat to just like poke around and see what certain things will unlock, like a new log or a new conversation piece from either of your AI companions. Yeah, those are really the best part. Like the logs themselves, they 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 tell a pretty straightforward tale of some really just dark and awful shit, but like the way that your AI companions react to those stories is really interesting. So, um, mild spoiler, I got to the part where the reactor starts to melt down, mm-hmm. and I, um... Uh, <laughs> Uh-oh. So, so I, I, I averted that crisis, and then, um... I'm kind of unclear as to what to do next, because the options that uh, the AI who's central to that part of the game... Um, those, those dialogue options seem to just have kind of, like, dead-ended... And in oh. the the way the game is set up, so you you can have multiple saves. Unlike Cat Goes Fishing, you can have multiple saves in uh, Analog Hate Story. But the the dialogue trees are kind of so dense, and you're going through the same things a lot. That yeah, it would make sense to have multiple saves, but there's no real way to label them. Yeah, and it just feels like one of those things that. Since it's mostly a reading-based game, that would take up a lot of your time to try to explore all these little dialogue trees by having these multiple saves. So um, I've kind of put it on the back burner for now, but it's it's definitely something I'm going to uh, pursue and then probably also its sequel. The the uh, the first game, the interface is kind of clunky, and um, like a lot of the time, you'll have to go back and like reread logs because you may have missed a conversation piece. Uh, Definitely, I found myself doing that quite a bit, and, and I'm only like a couple of hours in. That happens a bit less uh, in Hate Plus, but it's definitely a problem with uh, the first game. And as for the dialogue options. Uh, I don't remember any of them greatly affecting the outcome of the story. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, you can go back and like reinitiate the conversation and make the other decision as well. So I think they're mostly just flavor text. Really? Because I, I think there was a definite part where I closed myself off from some dialogue, especially since I had seen Ponchy stream part of it. And um, he saw some things that didn't come up on my play because I think I chose a an asshole option so to speak at some point whoops those are good though i really like those games the writing is really good the characterizations are fun and it is very unapologetically hey i want to be anime (laughs) (sighs) definitely but there's a sincerity to it it's not just trying to ape that style because you know like, that's the cool thing to do. Like, you know, if you look at Christine Love and the way she tweets and the things that she writes about, it's, it's very clear that she really just likes that style a lot. Um, so. Going back to wanting to be anime, though, it's like the weird parts where Hune is like, well, that would be okay if I did it with you. I mean, uh, and it like deletes the text. I love that. Like... I love those. I love those. She does quit. She does on the fly edits of her own text, and it's really awesome. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Maybe it's kind of maybe it's kind of taking from some of the really neat story conventions in anime that kind of make them have a different flavor from a lot of Western entertainment. I, I don't know. She seems stuff. to be pretty much going straight for those tropes. Like it's unapologetically, you know, it unapologetically goes for those tropes, and it's not really like trying to do anything tongue in cheek. It's just no. It's, I wasn't saying tongue in cheek. I just meant like taking some of the things that kind of make anime storytelling 
neat and special mm-hmm. when compared contrasted with a lot of Western storytelling and maybe taking a lot of inspiration from that aspect too, in addition to just like the style. I can see that, yeah. So moving on, uh, I played a little game that um, you guys might not be familiar with. I know Rhett won't be familiar with because as far as I've gotten into it, there haven't been any little girls. (laughs) Um, But I've just been thinking about it so much and it just it bubbles up in my subconscious all the time and i'm i guess the what i'm trying to get at is that i'm still mad about dark souls oh wow still huh <laughs> still to this day just you it's just like all those runs back for those souls and back to bosses ain't doing it for you huh it's not even about the souls anymore it's just the walking and the walking and the walking and then a dragon pops out and then you die, and you go back, and then there's more walking, and walking. So, <laughs> so a brief little bit about my history of this game. About a year and a half ago, I started playing it, and this is back when it was still under uh, Games for Windows Live. This is a PC version, a Prepare to Die edition, um, which was, you know, a great um, dick up the ass for everybody involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the first time I played it for probably about, well, I still have the save. It was, uh, of course, because it's cloud-based, uh, four hours, and I was playing as a rogue. I think I got past the Taurus demon. Um, and the first time, yeah, when, when I fought the Taurus demon on that save, it jumped backwards off the bridge and killed itself. So it's like, oh, this game's going to be great. You know, real easy. Nothing to see here. Burr, burr, burr. <laughs> So for whatever reason, I started over as, I guess I just wasn't feeling the rogue, so I started over as a pyromancer. Good choice. Um, yeah, so I was actually trying to use the magic and stuff, and of course I got the halberd, being uh, the royal scrubliness that I am, was uh, that was my go-to weapon for most of the time. Um, and then things just got busy, and I dropped playing the game about past the part where you ring the first bell after um, Moonlight Butterfly and I got to where I was either I got to the Lake Hydra and couldn't beat it and so I thought at the time I was supposed to go to um, New Londo Ruins Mm. Uh, Oh dear I had had beaten the gaping but (laughs) I had beaten the Gaping Demon, but I somehow missed the entrance to Blight Town. Oh, no. That happened to me. <laughs> so I was yeah. just kind of stuck. But, um, yeah, anyway, so I got too busy, and I kind of dropped the game. So after, um, in recent months, the Prepare to Die edition on Steam, it they since Game for Windows Live, everybody knows, that shut down. So there was actually a patch in place to transfer your saves over to Steam and have it run without any games for Windows Live client running on your uh, local computer. So I was like, you know what, what the hell? Um, I bought a new SSD. Um, I'm going to try to get back into PC gaming. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up Dark Souls again, see what this is all about. So I fired up my old save as the Pyromancer, thinking I'm supposed to go to New Londo Ruins and um, get killed by ghosts and... Yeah, lose a bunch of souls, and I'm like, okay, um, this probably, I'm not really feeling this, and then I, I say as much on Twitter, and then Rhett goes, well, why don't you just start over, and like, I'll do that. 
I didn't know you were quite that far. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a big chunk into the game to be starting over. Oh man. <laughs> so anyway, I started over, and I started over as um the the naked guy. Deprived. Oh my god. Why would you do that? <laughs> so I started over as oh, the naked man, guy. Oh man, really? <laughs> Ooh. All right, oh, Sean. So I I got I got back to that point. Um, and I finally figured out how to get to Blighttown. I'm like, how the hell did I miss this the first time? So I get to Blighttown. And, <laughs> and you love it. <clears throat> yeah, we all know about that Blighttown. <laughs> you love Blighttown. I know that you're all about that. The part that really, one of the most enraging parts of Blighttown was when I just kind of randomly clipped off a bridge while trying to in in the middle of a soul retrieval, <laughs> just because of the game's buggy geometry, I just kind of like flew off into the ether. So, so I did Blighttown. I beat Quaylog. Um, rung the second bell. Didn't really feel like going further past Quaylog. So, I thought again that I was supposed to go to New Londo Ruins. <laughs> Oh, no. So I go through New Londo Ruins, figure out, okay, I can't drain the water yet. So I go back, go to the forest, beat Sif. Okay. Like, okay, let me go. Oh, well, I forgot about Sin's Fortress. So I meet King Sinker Frampt, go into Sin's Fortress. And, and people who aren't familiar with Dark Souls at this point have just tuned out of the podcast. <laughs> but... What? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm sure John's going to talk about some things where I'm just going to be like, all right, bathroom break. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, we all do that when John talks. Oh. So I go into Sin's Fortress, and I get, I think, about halfway at that point. No, in fact, yeah, it's, I'm pretty sure it was more than halfway. Did you get and, outside? So, no, I did not get outside, and... um. Lost a bunch of souls, got got knocked off a bridge. Basically, the one where um, the the serpent man dude, well, the one with breasts that uh, shoots lightning at you, and on the pendulum bridge, um, the one it, the one that's like right on the lev- same level as you. Yeah, it, it's closer right to toward, like right to the left when you walk out. Right, that one. Yeah, fuck that one. <laughs> So that basically made me say, fuck Sin's Fortress, I'm never going to find a bonfire in here, I don't really know, I'm, I'm just not ready for this yet. So, I go back back through Blighttown, towards Quaylog's Domain, and, um... Oh. oh, no. So, I get to Ceaseless Discharge. Well, there we go. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I'm like, okay, well, there's this great big guy. Let me see if I can figure out his pattern. Oh, he shoots fire. Oh, I can't dodge his attacks. Oh, okay, let me try this again. Oh, I can't figure out his pattern enough to stay alive. Um, okay, I don't really go want to go back to Sin's Fortress, and I can't beat that guy, so I think I'm done with this game. Wait, 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 wait. Is it... Is it really called Ceaseless Discharge? Yes, that's the greatest <laughs> name ever. It's a lava monster. It's a big lava monster with tentacles. Named Ceaseless Discharge. They named it after Rhett's dick. <laughs> <laughs> Boner, how much armor do you have on? <laughs> Are you fat rolling? 
No, I'm not. I'm not wearing. So I'm not wearing like stone armor. So, so you, you didn't let me finish. <laughs> okay, because Cecil's so, discharge is kind of easy. <laughs> I don't know what's your problem with. No, this. I equipped. I equipped the. Um, I equipped the gold lined armor you find the one that has high fire resist. So, um, so I said, "Fuck Dark Souls. I'm done. I'm tired of walking back all the time. I put 44 hours into this game. I've started over twice. Um, this this really just isn't for me." So, I decided I would I would spend my time and attention on other things. And uh, when Polly asked me to be on the podcast, I started playing another game in preparation for it, which um, I'm sure we'll hear all about later. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Last night, I decided, you know what, it's been two weeks. I'm just going to fire up Dark Souls and see what I can do. So I go back to Sin's Fortress. I, I was like, fuck Ceaseless Discharge. I'm not even going to try that right now. <laughs> Turned tail and walked, <laughs> walked back. Oh, man. By the, by the way, I didn't realize that the, um, the firekeeper uh, was going to be gone after you ring the second bell. Oh, and I, yeah. And I still oh. Yeah, I still didn't have the firekeeper uh, soul from um, from New Londo Ruins, so I didn't have my Estus flask up to level two. Oh man, whoops! So, so I walk back to Sin's Fortress. Um, I get on the first bridge and I get knocked off by a pendulum, but I didn't die. So I'm like, oh, there's all this tar and shit here and oh, oh it's one of those headless guys that's from uh <laughs> right yep. before the dark root basin <laughs> yep so i kill that guy i get whatever shit he was guarding and um make my way back up and realize later that there were two more of those guys down there but i'm not having as much success dispatching them and just the whole walking around in tar and i'm just like okay i really don't feel like doing this i don't know if there's an item or something i'm supposed to get that's supposed to make this easier but um let me just go try to go back through sin's fortress the normal way so i make it through sin's fortress uh i make it to the roof i i summon the um the I can't remember what the dude's name is, Iron something or other, to help you fight the Iron Golem. Oh, the dude just basically trivializes that fight entirely. Yeah, he he's just like, here I am, I'm a meat shield. <laughs> he in just, fact, yeah. In, in fact, he's like guarding the whole time and not attacking. I'm all like, okay, well, you take tank all that damage for me, bro. So, managed to beat that in, um, you know, on the first go. Um, I go to Anne Orlando. I I meet the firekeeper. I, I level my Estus flask up to three. Woo. Um, <laughs> beat the gargoyle there. Decide. Okay, you know what? I think I'm gonna go back and fight ceaseless discharge. <laughs> no, 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 no. So okay, so um, so on the way back to no. Sin's fortress, I I found an area that I didn't find before, and it's like, oh, here's that fire resistance ring. That'll help. <laughs> So I went back and beat Sisless Discharge, and um, that's what I did right before um, signing on to the Skype call to do the podcast. Wow, so it sounds like Wait. you're starting to find your way uh, in this game. Like, you're on the right path, to, you know, and... Um, I'm sure it will piss me off later, and I'll have to quit it again and then move on to one of the other millions of uh, Steam games that I bought over the holiday sales. Yeah, and Orlando is fun, dude. I want to scream right now. 
<laughs> oh, oh yeah. Okay. So what's that about? Like you know, people who have their nose buried in a guide is that's not the right way to play Dark Souls. But then when no, no, not even somebody that. talks about how badly they're doing it, you just want to tell them what to do. I just can't believe you left Anne Orlando. Yeah, that's that, that is a strange <clears throat> path to take. Like I never even thought once to leave Anne Orlando once I got there. I just really, I just really wasn't feeling like. Um, so I kind of got. I kind of got lost. I didn't understand where to go. Oh, um, yeah, apparently, I, gonna... I missed a bridge because that yeah. was that was an instance where I was like, "All right, let me just look this up." So yeah, there's a very small bridge that is easy to miss because of the that, color palette. That part's bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> the window. Yeah, but that's pretty much what I've been doing thus far. That's awesome. I'm glad you're getting back into Dark Souls because that game's good, and I kind of like here. I like seeing you fume over Twitter about it. <laughs> I can see why you're annoyed about the walking because you're like taking the longest possible path. Like, Cecil's discharge is so far down yeah. those spokes in that game. Well, I I understand that the game's laid out like that. It's a really vertical map that it has. In fact, somebody. Um, so I don't. Yeah. Sorry, I can't give credit where it's due, but it was somebody that Moosey retweeted posted um, an illustration of how everything's laid out in Lordran. Um, it's 3D Super Metroid. Like, it all connects together. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's that's absolutely putting it. Um, if the game had fast travel, well, one, it wouldn't be Dark Souls, but <laughs> it also wouldn't be one of my main gripes with it. You will yeah. get you'll get fast travel. Shh. Oh, why'd you spoil oh. it? Oh, because it might dri- it might drive him. Like everybody well, knows, you get fast travel at some well, point. Well, I in did that watch game. I did watch some of Rhett. Um, Let's playing it with the um, aggressive AI mod. So I did know a couple of things. Yeah, going into it, but so my my big gripe is the walking. My other gripe is I don't like it when games make me feel stupid. I mean, I understand that there's a lot of like it's a really dense game, and nobody's gonna know everything um, their first time playing, and probably nobody's got like the time unless you are a real hermit who likes to poke at everything at a game and and never use a guide ever and figure out all the mechanics and so like all these bad decisions that I'm sure you guys have been judging me for on uh my my weapon leveling and s- stuff like that that's I I really I'd really rather not play it with my nose in a guide but I'd also not like to be made to feel like I'm playing it wrong by the game itself just because um well, you didn't do this thing, and now you're well, dead. You're not <laughs> playing it wrong. You're not playing it wrong. I don't. There's not many ways you can play that game wrong. I think that they're like. Or I look at it as just like, okay, that's not a decision I would make. Like, uh, I know I mentioned you upgrading your claymore to raw. You ascended right. it to raw, and basically, well, like, it's a good damage boost, but it takes away all of the scaling you get from your stats. So, right, like, so I didn't know that at the time that it would take away the stat scaling. Um, at and at the time, I could either do raw or divine and so i was like well i i I really like the claymore i i guess i better make it you know buff enough to actually do damage against things basically like with all of my weapons in that game i rarely did enchantments i just went straight like upgrade from one to five then five then six to ten and then eleven to fifteen no i didn't even bother with enchanting because the damage bonuses you get from just um grinding them up normally I think, you know, it, plus how those uh, balance with your scaling uh, on the weapon, I think that this is just a way better option. 
but like, let's be honest, the weapon upgrading, how it explains itself in the game is, it is fucking, fucking horrible. Yeah, it does <laughs> not do a good job at all. Even like the descriptions on like the Titanite are like, upgrade 1-4 to a standard weapon. Like none of it, like it's not written in English. It's using English words, but like it doesn't make sense when you read it. Yeah, the <laughs> It's it's a video game. It's not Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. I don't feel like I've I don't like to be made to feel like I've got to take a test to get the most out of the game's mechanics. Right, right. And and also in being what's essentially an action RPG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an action RPG that's very unforgiving, and that those things can really aid you. But it's also just a lot of memorization. Like going through Sin's Fortress again, I really just felt like I was playing fucking Dragon's Lair. It's just like, all right, here's this <laughs> trap. Oh, well, better watch out for that. Yeah, oh, I made it a little farther this time. Oh, I got sent back. Oh, I fucked up and forgot about this one trap. Now I got to go back again. Yeah, Sin's Fortress is basically like Trap City, and I think that's really the only part of the game that's like that. Um. Good, because fuck that shit. Fuck but that hey, shit. you know what? I know most people. Most people that I know that have played that game and quit quit at the Capra Demon. So if you got by the Capra Demon, you're doing all right. Because that's that guy. Because that that is a fight where you know within the first five seconds whether you're fucked or not. So when I was playing as Pyromancer, Capra Demon gave me a lot of shit, but I think I beat him on my second attempt on this playthrough. When I was uh, playing through it the first time, he beat my ass, and then I went back and I just took off all of my armor so I could roll fast, and it was like, <laughs> oh, this is easy. Well, but I'm sure if Moosey's listening to this, and he probably is, he'll be happy to know that I <laughs> gave Dark Souls another shot. Hey, I'm happy you gave it another I'm shot. I'm happy. Yeah, like, it's it, it's not a game that's for everyone. I can fully admit that. Like, I know that Chelsea gave it the old college try. She beat uh, it, didn't she? No, no, she didn't. Uh, but she really? got far. She got far, and like I can't remember where she quit. I think it might have been in Orlando. Oh. Uh, but she got far enough to know that it's like like she gets it and she appreciates for, for what it is. It's just yeah. not what she wants to play. And I, like I think that's pretty valid. You know, it's n- it's not a game that is for everybody. And then the way people try and cram that game down people's throats. Yeah, like definitely. the fan base. I I fucking hate the Dark Souls <laughs> fan base. I, I hate every fan base. So. I, I hate I hate Dark Souls fans probably a lot more than some others. Really? Why? Just they're so goddamn annoying about everything that is that <laughs> game. It's like, no, this is the right way to play. Oh, oh you're right, you're right. I forgot. I blanked that out. Every time you watch a stream It's just like you did it playing, wrong, you're doing it wrong. It's like you can't watch a stream with that game without somebody being like, Okay now go to the graveyard and get the Zweihander or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and so, shoot the tail thirty times to get the dragon sword. Are you guys familiar with that YouTube video where it's like um uh New Game Plus, all giant armor, uh Zweihander <laughs> and Hovel's ring and he basically just like pounds everybody in PvP and yeah. he's getting these yeah. messages it's like, Oh you scrub, you just uh, min maxing uh fuck yeah. you. That one's funny. Yeah, yeah. I think that's like what, like the Big Daddy build or something like that? Giant Daddy? <laughs> I think he's using Mask of the Father, which is like additional vi- vitality. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So, um, but yeah, since uh, since I'm sure we've talked about it enough and lost John completely, um, <laughs> in, in conclusion, <laughs> Dark Souls, um, I'll probably try to give it an honest attempt to finish it, um, don't know that I'm going to try any subsequent playthroughs with different builds just because I don't oh, have that kind of time in my life and I've got other <laughs> games to play. Yeah, you're not crazy like us. Like, you know, I think me and Rhett have each played through that game, like, what, three or four times? I've done three, at least. Yeah, and I did uh, I did three normal playthroughs and a level, and I'm still in the midst of a level one playthrough, which I kind of burned out on. 
I'm probably gonna just just sink completely into that game for like months on end when yeah, it happens. You should, you should, John. It's it's got cute things in it. It's got um cute <laughs> cute undead. You play as a cute undead, mm-hmm. and it's got cute demons, mm-hmm. and it's also uh, you can really fuck yourself, and it's very unforgiving and. And, and you know, I like cute games, but I also like games that are just completely unpleasant on like every <laughs> ant level. Dark and, Souls can be that way at times. So, yeah, and, and another thing that John likes. Um, so when the firekeeper gets murdered, uh, it takes away <laughs> one of your safety nets. Yep. Woo. So there you go. All the winning recipes for a John approved game. Woo. Yeah. 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 Basically looks like that. John is going to love that game, I think, when he finally mm-hmm. gets around to it. Mm hmm. So is that all you've been up to, Big Bone Sword? Um, yeah, I'm I'm good. Let's let's move this gravy train on down the road to the next station. I tell you what, <laughs> Boner, since you're the guest, I'm going to let you pick who goes next. Pick me, pick me, pick me. All right. Pick me. Um. Okay, I've got a special intro plan. So um, hold on to your butts. Hold on, <gasps> hold on, hold on. I'm grabbing my <gasps> butt right now. Okay. I'm holding. All right, I'm I got holding. It. Okay, you ready? Go. Okay. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me John which I desire. Ooh. It's John Fire. Yay! Yeah. He picked me. Okay, cool. <laughs> fucking dork. <laughs> I was excited. I like it. I like it. Alright, well, I guess we should start with the video games. Alright, I played an awesome game all the way through. I 100%ed it, which entailed getting all five medals on every single stage, and there's a bunch of stages. I played. Are y'all ready for this? Go. Are y'all ready for this? I'm re- I'm ready for this. I played Bean Quest 2 Bean Dreams for iPhone. And it was awesome. Is that the Dr. Robotnik game? <laughs> no. No, that's Mean Bean Machine. Basically, you're a bean with a face in a sombrero. So, great so far, right? Um, I'm on board. Um, Action Button did a commercial for it. And those are always funny, and they pointed me towards some cool games. They did one for um, Dive Kick a while back. Yeah, yeah. So I think so. It I watched the commercial. Did they do um, the one for Eight Six Eight Hack as well? N- I don't know. Because I know that they've they've got a pretty good trailer on Steam for Eight Six Eight Hack. They do. I almost wonder if um, Michael Bro just threw that together with friends, though. Who knows? Um, so Bean Dreams. It is a two D platformer for iPhone. Awful, right? Ugh. I can't stand them. I know, right? So hold on to your butts here. Okay, I'm holding my. Hold on, I've got to re-grab my. You move left by touching the left half of the screen, and you move right by touching the right half of the screen, and then you're constantly jumping. Every time you touch the ground, you jump automatically. Okay. And I can dig that. You jump. You can jump on enemies to get higher. Oh, and the because goal. he's a jumping bean. I just got oh, it. Oh, right. Whoa, I never got that. <laughs> what? <laughs> and the goal is to beat every level with as few jumps as possible. That's an interesting mechanic. I know, right? And if you jump, jumping on enemies doesn't count as a jump on your jump par. Oh. Every level has a jump par right. to reach. So, so is it one of these things that rewards like chaining jumps on enemies? Yep. Okay, so that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds cool. So instead of um, speed runs, you have jump pars, and I got and I got the jump par on every single level, 
and um, you can all, secondary goal. You can also collect all the f- fruit in the level and collect the one little optional guy who is often um, hidden away in like hard to reach areas. So generally, every level there's like two challenges: one where you're exploring the whole level and getting all the things. Each level is probably about thirty seconds long if you just play it normally. And then the second time you play it and just try to beat it as, in as few jumps as possible. That's the really concept cool. of jump parts kind of reminds me. So in, um, in Portal, uh, the challenge uh, one, so you can speed run it or you can do it in the least number of portals. Um, not Love having it. good reflexes like uh, me, I didn't really go for the speed runs, but I did enjoy trying to do it in least number of portals. So that seems like kind of the same thing going on here yeah, with, totally. the, with the jump parts. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of stuff that's reflex oriented, but there's a lot of things where you just had to kind of think and figure it out. And um, yeah, that game was just pretty solid, top to bottom. I really liked it. It yeah. almost sounds like something I could get into if it weren't on a phone interface. <laughs> yeah, I just like there's, there's no simple, problem with the yeah. As simple as it sounds, it's still like the very fact. Like I feel weirdly disconnected from a game when I'm using touch controls like that for some reason. Like I just I don't feel connected to the game in the way that I do holding a physical controller. That's fair, but like with when it's just two halves of the screen, one thumb and the other thumb, there's no problem of like trying to touch the correct spot. It's completely instant. So I guess it's just the matter of the physical feedback, and I've just never had that as an issue. Like I played Super Hexagon for thirty hours, so that makes sense. Oh, I I, I totally get where you're coming from there. And um, <clears throat> a handful of games have probably used touch controls for something that would be better than any other control scheme could possibly do it like ziggurat and um michael bro's other new game uh helix both just have touch controls that just would not work in any other interface nearly as well i think which is interesting but um this game is just two buttons basically and that's a really smart way because as soon as you try to have a third button basically on a touchscreen interface it all just goes to hell yeah now the only phone game i played a lot of was jetpack joyride and that was one button. one button. Yeah. <laughs> Lots yeah. of smart ones that use that format, like um, Cannabalt and Flatbird and um, some sla- slidey games like 868 Hack or Threes, which are turn based and you just slide in certain directions. But turd, yeah. Turd based. Turd based. Because <laughs> it's poop. Mm hmm. That's what turds um, are. Is Binding I, of Isaac turd based? I would say so, yeah. It's a turd like. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I also watched a bunch of cartoons. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I should, I should, I should, um, uh, presuppose that, pre, predisposition that, pre, presuppository that, presuppository that, pre, 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 that, pre, 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 um, I forgot that Square RPGs are really pretty. Oh man, uh, for the PlayStation One, those games are pretty. I really like that style of um, aesthetic, you know. Yeah, and I really about, like that. It's about I, all it's got going for it. I really like that <laughs> boss theme too, and I really like um, Squall so far. He seems like a cool dude, or rather, he, he's just seemed he, he seems like I just want to give him a big hug. Like, oh, it's, it'll be okay, Squall. It's okay. Does he say whatever and doesn't care about anything? Yeah, but you also hear what he's thinking. It shows you what Squall is thinking, and then he says dot, 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 or whatever, or there's nothing wrong. 
when reality he's thinking like, oh, I don't want to do this because X, Y, and Z. And then, but then he just has this facade. So really, it's, you're just getting inside this kind of vulnerable guy's head. That with, almost sounds like to me like the silent protagonist, but they give him an internal monologue. Wherein, like 16-bit RPGs, that was up to the player to fill in the gaps for them. Mm-hmm. But it means that Squall has a clearly defined personality, and it's one that I'm that I can like empathize with and see him as just kind of an interesting little human that I want to learn more about. But he seems like a cool character, and I think that was he just seems like an interesting direction for that series. When I was in college, <laughs> I played that game up to the uh, Laguna part, and I was like. This sucks. I'm trading this into GameStop. <laughs> I might get there. I might get there. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going into it with a very, very open mind. Just knowing, like, knowing basically a ton about the game, just absorbed through osmosis um, about the moon pimples and the three witches and the castle and the whatever magab and the drawing magic and whatever. That's right. Uh, actually, that's uh, what a magab is. Actually, one of the Japanese translations. So mm. you're right about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like how the game is approaching Squall's character from the beginning, and I'm and also I really like that it's a Final Fantasy game centered around a love story. That just sounds nice. And um, what a love story it is! Oh boy, it is one for <laughs> I don't the know, ages. I don't know how it progresses, but I just know some smart people who really like <laughs> Final Fantasy VIII, so I figured I will give it a shot. Um. I was either that or Dark Souls, and you know, whatever. God. Yeah, why would you ever play Dark Souls? John, John, I swear to God, when I die, I'm making you a pallbearer just so you can let me down one last time. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> Whew. I mean, I try not to be negative, but when I see a post on Twitter that you're playing Final Fantasy VIII, and I just think of all the things you could be doing, and that's what you're doing. That's what you chose. Okay. Um, I need to give back the PlayStation Three, which is what I was playing on. So, if I play it more, I'm going to restart it on an emulator. Um, So that's a big obstacle. (laughs) So I might just drop it for now. I might just drop it for now. I can see um, playing that on an emulator, like dropping save states on a boss fight so I don't have to rewatch bullshit cutscenes again. Well, it doesn't seem like the game's going to be hard ever, so... No, okay. it's not So it doesn't hard. seem like that'll I, be an obstacle. I must have been having uh, Persona 3 flashbacks there, sorry. Mm. Uh, yeah, from, from basically everything after Final Fantasy IV, they give you all of these systems to worry about and fret over, and you can just break the games over your knee with them. Yeah, oh. Final Fantasy VIII is easily and, breakable early on. And 8's yeah. like probably the worst about that just from what I've heard. Well, and and Game Boy Advance remakes that add extra shit makes them even more breakable yeah. like uh Final Fantasy 5, so the Gladiator class um yeah, what uh what's his name? Evil Tree. He he was uh X Death. X Death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was a bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so how long until John writes his own take on the entire Final Fantasy series? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, let's just get it started. Somebody's got to pick up the mantle, I guess. Four is the best. I won't argue know, with that. Right? We yeah. all know it. Four is the most fun. Four is the say. best, yes. Oh, my God. That game's great. I, need, I haven't replayed Final Fantasy four in, like, six years. I should do that. Um, Alright, so, I played that, I played Bean Quest 2, Bean Dreams, and I watched a bunch of cartoons. Do you want to hear about cartoons? Go right ahead. 
All right, I watched. So last last week we'd finished up Sailor Moon one, uh-huh. the first season, and it was pretty pretty good. And the la- and the finale was really nice. And then we watched a whole bunch of Sailor Moon R, which is the second series, and um, that's pretty good too. Cool. Yeah. Are um, you into the second half of that? Where the death- yeah yeah we're, the first the first chunk is kind of bad because it's is all it- filler stuff that wasn't in the comic. Yeah. It like one hundred percent. So even when it gets to like the big emotional finale beats of that arc, it still isn't good. So that just was kind of lame. Yeah, that's the one time they did a huge filler stuff. Mm-hmm. The rest of the it, show doesn't do that. Thanks. Aliens learn about the power of love. <laughs> <laughs> um, they learn it from Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> I think Anna's actually finishing up Sailor Moon R in the other room, so I'm going to catch up with her tomorrow. So I think we'll watch the finale, and that'll be great. And I'm Ollie, really excited. To watch. Yes, I got that reference. I'm glad you did. I knew because I'm would. old. And I knew John's you would. Not. I knew you would. Of all the people, on, and I'm on not this sure. Podcast. You made a reference. Yeah, I, even I didn't get that one. Mm-hmm. And you never will. They all so old, old. Anyway, I'll get to watch Sailor Moon S next, which I think is the most Ikuhara y one. Sure. Um, I don't know so. what that means. So. <laughs> Is the guy who did Utena? That that means lesbians, right? Because you do Utena as well. Because I hear that's a pretty good show. I said Utena. I said it the second time. Utena. Utena. Anna's a linguistic major, and she told me Utena was okay. No, it's not. Adapting. I mean, we're saying revolutionary girl Utena. We're not saying shoujo kakume Utena. Are we? It's Utena. We're translating. We're adapting to our new language. It's okay. It's Utena. Don't. Don't make me come over there. I will, and it'll be ugly. Hey, hey, Polly. Yeah, what's up? Utena. Punch you in the it, dick. It it is Utena. It's not Utana. Utana. Mm-hmm. I like that uh, Haruha show. What's it called? <laughs> <laughs> I really like playing that Ico. <laughs> All right. So the, after that, I um. So we watched Sailor Moon, but we also took a break from Sailor Moon to watch probably the best piece of media I have, like, interacted with um, this year so far. Mm-hmm. Um, we watched all of Steven Universe that's aired so far. Which is a I, just, I only know of this show because I see it on Tumblr every day. It, it's a very Tumblr-y show in the best way. <laughs> in, like, not the shitty way. So I've uh, only seen one or two episodes of it on TV. Uh-huh. Um and it seems to me like it's the Powerpuff Girls, but the Powerpuff Girls aren't the main focus and it's actually this kid sidekick who the show revolves around. Yes. I mean Is that was that accurate? We, well, not Powerpuff Girls so much. I mean it's more just like Well, no, like they're magical movies. superheroes though, but it's yeah. like goofy and dumb. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I, actually, you know what? That's an insult to the Powerpuff Girls. And I'm not saying that because, like, I'm not one of these people who thinks, like, oh, Powerpuff Girls, that's stupid as hell. No, it's like, I think that's one of, like, the greatest um, shows, like, when I was growing up. I still I'm just, enjoy like, it. It's just kind of, like, taking that scenario, I guess, but turning uh-huh. it on its head. Like, it's not really about all the crazy shit going on. It's about this this kid and his adolescence. Kind of like yeah. Evangelion. Yeah. I, I didn't watch Powerpuff Girls really much as a kid, so I don't... Dude, you gotta get up on some Powerpuff Girl. Girls and some Dexter's Lab. Get up on it. Um, 
but for me, I was connecting it with all the magical girl shows I've been watching lately. So it was like the old uh, magical girl superheroes are basically um, just three three of them: the Crystal Gems, um, uh, Garnet, Pearl, Amethyst, and then Steven are make up the Crystal Gems, <laughs> and they're basically just the being the the um, mom to this kid whose mom died and his dad is kind of a deadbeat but he he loves him but he's kind of had a shitty way of showing it a lot of the time so they're they're all three being his moms oh and um he's just kind of half magical girl and half human so he's learning to kind of figure the out these power things and there's a bunch of like so it 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 acts like it has this whole big universe of like, of like the magical girl conflicts, but it just kind of has those playing out on the side and never like draws focus to them really. So it's focusing on just the relationships of the characters. And I say it's probably the best piece of media that I've consumed this, this year so far, because every, just almost every episode just has works on like a, like comically, but also like on all these weird dramatic and thematic angles. And it's just so many of them are completely beautiful. Um, it's just really smart. It's this, it's the smartest Western cartoon syndicated cartoon. I think I've ever watched. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of inspiration from, it takes a lot of inspiration from the silly shows, but it also takes a lot of inspiration from stuff like Utena. <laughs> where the stories are meaningful and dramatic in addition to being just kind of endearing and fun to watch. And having, like, this snappy writing. And it has snappy writing. On top of this dramatic core, but it never Mm -hmm. leans too far one way or the other. Exactly. It's, um... And, of course, it's just gorgeously animated, because Cartoon Network, that's, that's a big part of their thing right now. Um... I don't really know much about Cartoon Network, actually. I just started with Steven Universe, and they went into a few other things. But um, Steven Universe is... And the, all of the little ancillary tumblery details, like, there's a bunch of different body types. It's not just everybody's thin or everybody is one specific body type. It's very varied, and no one is really shamed for it. But Garnet does different... have a big booty. Yeah. <laughs> she got the booty! I like Bonner and, uh, just throwing that out. Just throwing yeah. it out there. She got the booty. Yes, she do. Lots of different skin colors. Lots of weird, like, lots of really cool gender stuff. Lots of cool approaches to romance. Like when Steven and then a teen, his teenage friend, his two teenage friends who are kind of into each other or figuring it out. One's a girl, one's a boy. The girl takes up hunting and the boy takes up cooking and it's just not even commented upon. It's not even just a thing. Um, That's really cool. Yeah. So all of the gender stuff and all the racial stuff and all the body. What? Fuck fuck your normalized gender roles. Exactly. Um, There's one episode where he fuses with his uh, with his um, uh, all all the little adolescent romance stuff is just ridiculously sweet. It's just really, really honest and nice. Mm. And he fuses with his kind of girlfriend, Steven, and they turn into like this ambiguously gendered gorgeous person and a bunch of people from both genders kind of see her and like are 
kind of blush and oh, crushing a little bit. I think they did this in a Shin Megami Tensei game. <laughs> I'm not making that up. Mm-hmm. And then there, and it's not just that fusion. There's also a weird, uh, cool thematic undercurrent to the episode about feeling alone in big social situations. Um, there's one episode where one character just says these words that kind of stuck out with me where he kind of is in a really dark place and he looks at another character and says, do you ever feel alone even when you're around other people? It's just like a geez moment. Cause like, I'm just watching this cartoon network show and it's like making me think a lot. Yeah, it, every it is, episode. It is really interesting how shows like that, um, uh, adventure time, um, uh, and, uh, what's the other one? Regular show, I think. Mm, I haven't watched that one yet. But it's interesting. You, you should. Regular show is very. It's, it's it's a sitcom, but it's really surreal. So um, all the characters are like: there's a raccoon and a blue jay mm-hmm. and a talking gumball machine, <laughs> and this one guy who's got like a really big head, and he's just like this weird um, elderly British man who has a very childlike mentality. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's it's so absurd. That's but, cool. But yeah, what I like show. about, but what I'm really liking, it, like, is this sort of trend of you know shows that are aimed at children, but they're not afraid to have like more progressive messages. I guess you know because we as, mm-hmm. as we as a society evolve, you know, things like gender roles are going to evolve and change with the times. Uh, and it's cool that from an early age, you know, kids watching those things can pick up a thing or two um, mm-hmm. about you know how things aren't any one specific way and everybody can be unique and different. And I really like that a lot of shows are pushing those kind of ideas now. It's really nice. And they're just smart, meaningful shows. And it's like, I remember growing up as a kid watching, um, in, and I watched some Invader Zim and it shows like so grim and cynical <laughs> and dark. And then contrasting that with, um, Steven universe and adventure time and just how, forward and positive and progressive they are and just it's really kind of a making me optimistic about the future type it's, deal it's being optimistic while still being able to touch on like those cynical states of mind exactly it's going into a just a really cool place while still having this heart it's just really nice um and all those ways that it's progressive are just completely unremarked upon yeah, and they just, don't make a big just, deal out of it. It's not like know. you know, it's not like a big end of the episode wrap up where it's like, all right, now what'd you learn today? It's mm-hmm. nothing like that. It's just like they let it happen organically because that's how you learn shit. It happens mm-hmm. in life organically. We all change, you know, but are, are changed by our environment and the people that we are around. And it's not like we have this big revelational moment. It's that you notice things start gradually changing over time. Uh, and I mm-hmm. like I like that subtle nuance where it's not pushed in your face to make it blatantly obvious. Yeah, totally. I mean, I remember watching Lord of the Rings and reading Lord of the Rings this year and just being like, it's it's the idea of not having to turn parts of my brain off for something. Because like with Lord of the Rings, there's that undercurrent of, well, this is sexist, racist, and fascist <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So I need to just be able to accept that and accept this world's universe where that's okay for a little while if I want to enjoy the good parts of this. Much 19, like, uh, 1950s Britain was where that was okay. Yeah, <laughs> That's exactly. where that world is coming from. You kind of have to so, do the same. You have to do the same thing when you're reading analog because I just like like analog and hate plus. Like I had to like grit my teeth a lot of the times while playing those games because it just they angered me. And I know that that's mm-hmm. what she was going for with writing them. Mm-hmm. So he's obviously trying to make a point, but it was just like, oh my god, I've I've got to turn this off right now, or I'm going to mm-hmm. put my fist through a monitor. Well, yeah, there's a reason it... men's poetry is studied in academia, but women's poetry is only to titillate. Oh god. Ugh. Yeah, it seems like that that's doing it intentionally at least. Something like Tolkien, it's just that's the way they he sees the world, I guess. So yeah, it's, it's just it's really weird that like for so much of those stories, like uh, women characters don't do anything of import, and everybody. Um, every so everybody points out when Eowyn um, uh, reveals herself to be the one who slays mm. uh, the Lich King is like I am you know no, man. no no man yeah yeah not all men but <laughs> <laughs> but throughout so much of the story it's just like oh we're a bunch of cool bros you know going on a quest through the woods and women don't do anything important ever mm-hmm. so it feels hollow it's like you know the rest of the story wasn't building up to an I am no man thing it feels like it's right. that Anna was. Anna was actively annoyed and like eye rolling during that because like this this doesn't feel like part of the same story. You feel like you're just trying to throw this in there because you realize suddenly, oh wait, I'm being shitty. Yeah, I guess I can do this one thing. Whatever, I'll give this to I'll give the, the ladies this. Yeah, throw them feminists a bone. Uh huh. That's all they need anyway. They just need a big Whoa. old bone, right? <laughs> <laughs> and even like stuff that I really really like, like Frozen is um, super progressive in a lot of ways, and it's also all skinny white people. Yeah. and Or a Lego movie, which is a movie I really, really like in a lot of ways, where it's telling all of the dudes to reach out and claim their new identity while telling the one lady to settle back into the role she was assigned. Um, and I love those movies. I love those movies to pieces, and I think they're super progressive in a lot of ways. And um, But the main <sighs> thing is that... I don't have to turn Go my ahead. brain off at all for Steven Universe. I don't have to turn any of it off. It just works completely all the time. And if I hear anybody, if I hear somebody from a marginalized group say that a part of the show offends them, then obviously I'll listen. I'll listen to that. Um, I haven't heard any of those complaints yet. Um, just from my limited perspective, I don't see any th- any of that, and it's just really, really nice. It feels like it's something from ten years in the future. That's a good way of putting it. Uh huh. Just like ten years in the future, when this stuff is just normal now, we having the mostly lady cast isn't at all weird. It's not going to make a bunch of the future where the all female Ghostbuster reboot isn't going to make a bunch of man children shit themselves. Yeah, that future it feels like it's just got plopped out of that future and dropped in in front of a bunch of impressionable little kids, which is a cool thing. Uh huh. And uh, and I, wa- I went straight from Steven Universe to watching Adventure Time again. I watched the first season about a year ago. And this um, is the part where I go take a big old dump. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm probably not going to talk as much about take this. Take your headset but, uh, with you. <laughs> it's on a cord. <laughs> <laughs> um, Adventure Time. It, I was really disappointed starting off because Steven Universe is really like um, emotional in a pretty straightforward way. 
uh, most of the time. And Adventure Time really very rarely, I think, engages with strong emotions in the same direct way. Do you think that's, does that sound fair? Yeah. Yeah. I think Adventure Time is for three-year-olds. Oh, well, you see, that's that's basically where I was at for like two seasons. I was like, well, this was just kind of cute and well animated. Um, and then then it's little bits started clicking. Um, like, like I realized how scary the show could be at times um, with stuff like the Lich or like this um, little ghost ghost that appears in the wall for about a split second. And then he runs away and then says, all right, I'm going to block that out from my memory now. Um, just things that would things that kind of roll over me as an adult, but I know as a kid would have kind of stuck with me for a little while. Right, right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so the show can be really scary. Um, and another th- there's that sense of when I'm watching this and I'm thinking about how I would be watching this as a kid, what things would stick with me. And I think the scary stuff would stick with me. And I think the stuff involving um, romance and sexuality in Adventure Time would be kind of would kind of stick with me too. Um, stuff like the way um, Finn interacts with uh, Bubblegum and Marceline, and eventually the Flame Princess, all feel like kind of under under the skin bubblings of adolescent sexuality, right? That resonated with me deeply um and the thing about adventure time is that it's all it's basically all from the little boy's perspective compared contrasted with steven universe which kind of goes uh, is a little more rounded um but i i really started to respect how the show was approaching sexuality and romance and i was really respecting how it approached fear mm-hmm. and also it's just really snappy and funny and fun to watch aside from those things I think those are just kind of the moments where it started to elevate and I could kind of see where the Steven Universe lifeblood started, which I still think is probably a better show overall, but I can kind of see them more being on the same tier now after watching um, the three seasons. That's cool. And um, that's where I'm at. I'm going to watch more Adventure Time. I might might play more Final Fantasy VIII, might play another video game that's maybe a little less time-demanding. Do let me know if you draw the inspiration to play it. Ha! Aha! Because it's a mechanic oh, in the game. It. You get oh, it? Oh, I just mm. got it. Oh, shit. And I'll probably watch more Sailor Moon. Because Sailor Moon's great. Cool. Season because it's got the boom anime babes that make you think the wrong thing. <laughs> Chickity China, the Chinese chicken. Have a drum stick in your brain, brain stuff sticking. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit there where it seemed like I was basically just consuming everything that was tangentially related to Utena. Right. Like Sailor Moon precedes Utena. Yumi Yurikuma precedes it. Um, Steven Universe was inspired by it. Adventure Time is precedes Steven Universe, which was inspired by Utena. <laughs> but um, so you're going down this yeah. like weird rabbit hole in a very interesting way, like a spiral. <laughs> Yeah, all around this show, I really, really like. <laughs> Just all kind of spokes out from the middle, and then takes these different offshoots. Yep, I think I should. John Thayer think... presents further down the spiral. <laughs> Damn, it's going to be a good album. Wait, wait, mm-hmm. the spiral staircase? Ha! Uh, 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 uh. There's a spiral staircase in Utena. If you, if, yeah, for the viewers I, at I home, I knew about that. Okay, 
they play it. They play it. They play it a lot. It's great. A lot. You watched how many episodes did you watch exactly? Two. You they watched two, two and they showed it both enough. times, and you that were like, enough. "Whoa, oh, oh, they repeated this one minute of really good footage twice." Ugh, I can't. Welcome to every that. cartoon from my childhood. Yeah, Ugh. recycled animation is kind of a thing. Yeah, if we're watching, if we're talking about Sailor Moon. Holy moly! Um, I'm just talking about shit like Transformers and GI. Oh Joe. God, yeah, yeah. Those '80s cartoons seem pretty shitty to me as an '90s kid. <laughs> they don't, don't hold watch up any well. Don't don't go back and watch them. They don't hold up well. I'm not going to watch any of them. I didn't grow up with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Transformers or GI Joe, and I'm just kind of okay with that. <laughs> Sorry, just, y'all. The okay, only reason. Well, okay, but the um. The Marvel Comics G.I. Joe, really good. I mean, the show, total dog shit, but I... That's cool. If you have the chance, check it out. It's not to get too far off on a tangent. That's neat. There's a lot of comics I need to read. I've, like, I've had a bunch of cool experiences with comics, but then like, I just never like make a point to go out of my way to read them, which is kind of unfortunate. But um, yeah, I'll probably just watch more Adventure Time, and I'll keep up with Steven Universe and watch more Sailor Moon. Boo! Wait, so is that, that Sailor? Are you booing Sailor Moon? Uh, well, I mean, I guess it's kind of funny to rag on the '80s cartoons and then talk about like Sailor Moon or Pokemon or something. But I guess a part of me really does think those shows are better. <laughs> Pokemon's kind of charming. I, I can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't like the Pokemon. game so much, but the show is kind of just stupid good fun. Yeah, especially the first season. That was the thing with Sailor Moon is like, this is that same, this is like a dopey um, children's manga mm-hmm. thing. And I just kind of really dug that tone in the at the beginning of Pokemon. And it, there's times where it's actually funny and same with Sailor Moon. Definitely. Cool. Um, so is that yeah. all you've been into? Yep. Y'all should watch Steven Universe. I'll consider it. Utena is also really good. I'll consider it. Yeah. Hey, Reed. You're next. Go. Oh, we're done talking about Western cartoons now. We're finished. Okay, because I watched Korra season four. Oh well, that's Japanese uh, uh, cartoons, yeah. and so, that's anime. It's yeah. anime as fuck. It was on so, the Steam anime sale. I guess <laughs> it, it was. It was. <laughs> if we're talking about Steven Universe being inspired by anime, I guess we could also talk about Korra being kind of anime in different ways, huh? Inspired by Dragon Ball Z and Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> because they get big and then fight with giant robot battles, except yes, it's more exactly. like giant spirit battles. So it's really, really just kind of smart, low-key, subdued entertainment yeah, is what you're saying. Exactly. I did love seeing it on the Steam anime sale, though. Which, <laughs> yeah. like, all you, know people, you know people f- like legitimately flip their shit over that, too. Because in all, yeah. the, in all the years I've written... Like, uh, anime reviews, people got so pissed off that I called them Japanese cartoons in every instance. So, but you're from the generation for, like, in a time in the early 90s, it was called Japanimation. Right, uh-huh. but that's not why I did it. I did it knowing that it would probably piss people off. And it worked. And it did. I got hate mail about that nearly every week when I was regularly doing anime reviews. Wow. And so many things on the Steam sale were not um, anime at all. Yeah, like these uh, RPG Maker games that are like trying really hard to have an anime style. Oh, that's funny. 
but a lot of them were like weird Japanese niche games. Like there's 100% orange juice, I think is the one. Yeah. And some actual like, like anime shit. And like, uh, the sequel to that uh, comedy club game. Yeah. Yeah. Which has like oh. the worst name of all time. Hi girls or something. Hi, my girls. It's like I exclamation my exclamation girls exclamation or something. It's like, ridiculous. And the funny thing is, like, they localized it entirely differently. So they yeah. actually used like the Japanese names and Japanese locations, whereas the other one was localized by the uh, Phoenix Wright team. So they just Americanized everything. So like, yeah. when you go from like one game to the next, it's like, yeah, that's not confusing. Uh, that almost Hi. sounds like a Persona Two Eternal Punishment. Um, following the Persona 1, like, weird American localizations. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. like, there was a fan's translation of uh, Persona 2 Innocent Sin, which kind of followed, when they made a, released the actual PSP remake, kind of followed the same thing. Um, and, well, anyway. <laughs> but we got way off track there. Hey, Rhett, what are so you doing? Because I'm the only person in existence who gives a shit about Persona 2. I'm going to agree there. I didn't like Persona 1 or 2 that much, so. I I can't talk to you. I didn't like Persona <laughs> 1 either. What 10 minutes I played of it. So, Reed, yep. was Cora, did Korra redeem itself from the kind of crummy second season and the third and fourth se- seasons that are supposedly way, way better? Mm, nope. Some lesbians. <laughs> How about that lesbians? Is that is that all uh, just like made-up bullshit? Is the lesbians all its crap? You're, you're, um, you're getting ahead of yourself. Okay, that's so, all I really care well, about. Doesn't don't they that's build what, up that relationship? Like that's what John cares about Adventure Time. Oh my don't god, they build you guys that are all up, talking like, at once, classily and well done throughout the whole show. Nope. Oh. <laughs> okay, let's back up a bit though. So last week I said I really liked so- season three of Korra, mm-hmm. and then I was a bit into season four, and I wasn't really sure where they were going with it, and. uh... Having watched it, I'm still not sure what quite happened because uh, season four, and I've, I've dreaded having to say this for like two weeks, season four is kind of like a giant rape metaphor. Oh my god. It's, what? It, yeah, Why it gets... do that on Nickelodeon? <laughs> oh, geez. Like, I gotta hear it. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, season three ends with Korra in a wheelchair and then it cuts to three years later in season four, and it's her going through, like, physical rehab. But then there's more to it, where it's, like, she keeps having flashbacks and nightmares about the guy who oh, abused no. her in season, at the end of season three. Oh, no. To where she eventually just visits him in prison to say she's not afraid of him anymore. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, flashbacks to the previous season villains also doing this horrible shit to Korra. Oh, like God. in season one, the villain like took away her bending air quotes. Mm-hmm. And then they show oh. a clip of like the season two villain, like forcefully ripping the spirit from her mouth. Yeah. And then they show the season three villain poisoning her, which was like the thing that was really messing her up in season four, where this poison was still in her body. And she was like, never going to be the same again. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't, oh, man, that's, it gets really, it's like so incredibly unsubtle, at least from my perspective. I'm like, oh, geez, this is they're, they're, dark. They're going there and they're yeah. not being subtle about it. Like season one, people kind of made that connection, but it was much more subtle. This one is 
subtle like fucking hammer. <laughs> oh jeez, that's uh. wow! I did not like. I've never heard that. Like, it just seems readings, so obvious in retrospect. Yeah, I didn't like, even think of that. And all the readings I've seen of that show, and trust me, I'm on Tumblr, I see a lot. I've never heard, like, it being presented that way. That's, I mean, that's just my interpretation, but that was really what I took away from it. It seemed super in-your-face and obvious um. when she's, like, having constant nightmares and having to confront the guy who violated her. Like, that's... Oof. Oof. But is then, it, is it, yeah. But then it gets all anime. She gets better, and then they fight a giant fucking robot at the end. <laughs> and it just like, okay, you you just don't give a shit, do you? <laughs> just give a, just give the people what they want. Yeah. I I'm always getting a women in refrigerators trope from this thing. So if anyone's not familiar with what. Uh, women in refrigerators refers to it's basically um in the 90s and especially like main street comics like marvel and dc comics they kind of like use women as a motivator for um the male so it actually refers to um green lantern's um girlfriend being murdered and cut into pieces and stuffed in a refrigerator Mm -hmm. and so then any like female characters had to have rape as a motivator or it's like, you know, she was raped. So that's why she became a superhero or something like that. I, and from what you describe, from what you describe, it sounds less like an actual, like subtextual reading into it. And more just like a, something so internalized that most people don't really think about it and they just write it. And then it, it, Um. you can interpret it that way. I think, like, in the first couple seasons, it could have been that. Like, it's just, you know, the main character gets beat up by the villain a couple times to give them danger or whatever. Motivation to strike but back. But it just gets so in your face at the end, though, where I can't imagine that they didn't kind of know what they were doing. Make that connection somehow. Yeah. Figuratively or literally. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm thinking but about that, Maleficent now, which was the same exact thing, but then it ends with her, like, uh, it ends with the guy dying and him being just completely awful and her, like, being triumphant with her daughter, basically. Yeah. And that just seems way more like building it into the structure of the thing than it seems like with Korra. Yeah, I don't know. It's It just felt weird in Korra because it had been such a pretty action-y, light-hearted show until season four hits, and it's just like, ooh. Mm-hmm. I, I'm one of those people who uh, gave up on Korra after season two, as you oh, uh, yes. talked about. <laughs> it was really bad! Podcast. So, <laughs> I didn't like the ending of season one. I liked, um... I liked what happened more with the villains than with the protagonist herself. Mm-hmm. Um, because, um, Avatar The Last Airbender was all about Aang. Um, he... You know, he was an airbender, and he had to go about learning bending the other elements. Um, and then Korra, she starts off bending everything but air. And at the end of that show, so, um, spoiler alert, uh, as Red has touched on, yeah. Amon takes away her bending, but suddenly she can airbend, but nothing else. And so toward the season one finale... She is um, 
feeling worthless because she's lost all her bending abilities, but but air and a lot of people reading and read into that as contemplating suicide. And then she Deus Ex Machina confers with the spirits and gets all her bending abilities back. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you're talking about it, how it's like this weird metaphor for um, you know post traumatic um, stress, and it it just feels it just. Combined with the anime, like, Naruto power level stuff, and it's it just, like, makes an uncomfortable thing more uncomfortable because it's 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 really just an action show and, like, a, a shonen show. Because it is yeah. a shonen show at its heart. Mm-hmm. It um, definitely is. That it's, like, it could have, it like, if they were really going for those themes, they didn't handle it in the most deft manner, um, just based on what you're describing. Because I, I did... I did drop it out at the end of yeah. season two, and I didn't. I haven't seen these um, these things that you've elaborated on. Mm. It definitely kind of hits the same beats as season one again, where she loses the powers and then is sad, and then gets them back and beats up the bad guys. Yeah, season one was fine for most of it, but yeah, the ending. I just by the end of it, I, I realized I had no idea what they were trying to do with her character. I had no idea what she had learned. I had no idea yeah. how she had actually changed. She's, so then, she well, it, with from season one to season two, it seems like she forgot everything she learned. And that's yeah, exactly she's suddenly like this murderous, evil person in the second <laughs> season. <laughs> and it really like those Deus Ex Machinas that sort of solve everything really trivial trivializes like if they're going for a post-traumatic stress disorder slash rape theme if they're trying to imply that and then just like making her get over it that fast it really trivializes it in the end it's just like Definitely. oh well it's something that's super easy to get over don't worry just mm-hmm. find your Deus Ex Machina mm-hmm. confer mm-hmm. with the spirits everything will be okay um Metroid, Metroid Other M had a bunch of unintentional uh, or unintentional. Uh, maybe so we should like, not get it. Fuck that. <laughs> fuck that. Yeah. We're not, we are not discussing that game on this podcast. Fuck it. Yeah. That. Yeah. If you can't, if you don't actually have the writing chops to deal with the, those, that material, then, then maybe just don't. <laughs> yeah. That's not something that like, you just throw out there. If you're doing it for a first time or just learning, you've got mm-hmm. to, confer with other people and yeah like yeah you saying that you saying that reminds me of so the tomb raider reboot so when a lot of the early press surrounded that game um there were some hints that there were going to be like a real uh rape theme with uh laura (laughs) croft and her character development and then there was a lot of uh backlash against that and so the um the developer or the writer who who was um you know doing those press interviews kind of backtracked on that um mm. like you'll, you you'll, pro- you'll want to protect her come on you're the big strong man just protect her right <laughs> it's like it's like women in these action shows have to suffer in order of for course, their to, yeah. them to be meaningful and that's just such bullshit <laughs> i remember people bringing up that complaint with Madoka. Yeah, it's um, definitely true there as well. Mm-hmm. So, but at least that show, like, tries to engage with all the suffering in, like, a meaningful way. It seems like these other shows are just like, well, let's have them suffer and then save the day. And suffering then, is what gives her purpose. Otherwise, she has no purpose. Uh-huh. H- hence the women in refrigerators trope. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. It's all, like, this Frank Millery bullshit weirdness. <laughs> it's just gross. 
I will say, I don't feel in Korra they trivialize it because it's like over half the season. Okay. Like, it goes on for a while. Like, it's a slow build Mm -hmm. towards. But then the villain in season four, because of that, kind of takes a backseat and doesn't get developed much. And then giant robot happens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's almost like. So you're saying it's almost like a story they wanted to tell, but not in a medium they could do it in, in a Mm -hmm. competently handled manner. Or just like budget restraints and things like that. Plus, they couldn't really write. There's <laughs> a slight <laughs> obstacle. Oh, yeah. You've got to know how to write if you're going to write a television, I guess. Yeah. Going online only probably helped them just be like, well, this doesn't have to be for kids anymore. Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, helped in, in quotes. <laughs> Maybe yeah. they could have used that. But I also there's that weird thing in Korra where, every the, where the theme of every episode of every season seems to be like extremism is bad. And that's kind of like the Bioshock South Park thing. Yeah. Where it's yeah. just like, don't believe in anything too much. And that's the whole message. <laughs> Instead but, of actually standing for something. But, but Korra is, again, I dropped it after season two. Mm-hmm. Korra is such an authoritarian, like, you know, you got to do this my way or fuck you. Um, Fascist. Character. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> not not willing to you know concede to diplomacy in any situation. Oh, um, in, two, in th- two, she's awful. She like threatens to murder a judge. <laughs> that was an she, awesome like, scene. His- but yeah, after after I heard you describe that on a previous podcast, I was like, yeah, she really did. Like basically, it's like she's a mob enforcer threatening to crack someone's kneecaps if she doesn't uh-huh. get what she wants. <laughs> Gonna bust like, some this balls. This is our hero. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> weird show. Weird show. Yeah. Obviously, there's a lot a lot going on under the hood, a lot to unpack, but... It's a weird show. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's nothing there. I can't really, like, like it <laughs> I, at all. But, but Avatar The Last Airbender was good, right? Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Remember it's that very- second, se- second season oh. with, like, the, um, where they go to, like, a dystopian kingdom for a little bit, and it's all, like, scary and weird? And then remember, like, the bloodbending episode? Oh. Oh. It's so much better than the bloodbending shit in Korra. It's Polly. just so much more Polly's effective. checked out at this point. Yeah. Okay. All right, Polly. In, in Avatar, the original, uh-huh. they introduce a character. You know how there's waterbenders? They introduce a character who can bloodbend. I like control. I, well, I kind of had an idea of what yeah. bloodbending meant. I've just they never control- seen the show people's bodies and they, they make like these awful retching noise as their bones are like mashed around as they're being controlled like puppets i want that to be my power mm-hmm. so in, in avatar the show no, i want mostly... i want a fart bend <laughs> Polly the so, airbender. avatar the last airbender is like made for kids for the most part so when they have these scary moments they are handled tactfully and, and they've got more of an impact in a digestible way and they have an impact exactly and there's just nothing like that in core. I think another thing is that every episode in Avatar um, kind of stands on its own as a single singular story, even in the context of like a sequential storytelling. Mm-hmm. They go out of their way to make every episode kind of compelling on its own, um, except for a handful of two-parters. Yeah, re- yeah. See, that's one of the things I actually liked about Korra is because 
it's mu- it's much more anime where it's just every episode flows into one another where avatar the first one is very kind of western cartoon episodic each one stands on its own mm-hmm. as a start middle end but just because of that they kind of have it has more like focused and good storytelling and because Korra, they can just kind of like they it's just this kind of string of sludge moving from episode <laughs> to episode and there's no like big beats for me watching it. It's just like, all right, shit's happening, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. It and maintains then, oh, a constant tone that doesn't really it doesn't really change its tempo. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't give you a chance to take things in, but mm-hmm. it doesn't give you a chance to lay you know, it doesn't move along at mm-hmm. a steady pace either. Mm-hmm. Whereas Avatar's like, all right, here's a horror <laughs> episode. Here's an episode that's dealing with Zuko's backstory and him happening upon this one town and his interactions with these people. You know what show here's- had really good pacing? What? Soul Eater. Yes. I that, that, show, show. that show had amazing uh pacing, along with just a fantastic look. Oh, that show was gorgeous. I want to rewatch that at some point. Mm-hmm. I watched a little got, bit. Of I, I bought the Blu-rays and didn't we rewatch the Blu-rays because I watched it all on Netflix. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. <laughs> I got the Blu-ray uh, set as well, and they look. Re- it looks so good on Blu-ray. That theme yeah. song. The, the colors pop so much Ooh. more, and this like it, the, the 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 like the angular art style and like the thicker lines just look so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really want to rewatch that. Mm-hmm. And it had like different different feeling tones per episode like things were, didn't just all blur together as yeah, the, 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 like it went it, it definitely has like its highs and lows but it, it never dwells on any one of those too long and it keeps moving towards a logical conclusion like every every episode there's some kind of progress made by either a character or the storyline mm-hmm. so yeah there's there's a lot to be said for episodes. we hijacked Rhett. the episode <laughs> yeah. i'm sorry Rhett. okay one thing I also heard somebody say that that was a strong point with Breaking Bad was that each episode oh, is kind of a compelling singular thing. Yeah, but that show it starts to compound and just like it keeps getting heavier mm-hmm. and heavier and heavier. It, it's exhausting to try and watch that show. Like it's really good in long stretches, uh, I, especially like towards the end because like when the show ended, I went and rewatched the entire final season again, and it was like, oh my god, this is too much. Like I can't do all of this right now. <laughs> but it's so good. It's probably the best of American television in the last ten years, easily. <sighs> cool. Actually, <laughs> getting really off topic. One show that did do episodic episodes really good was Lost. Yeah, early, yeah. Early on. It, when yeah. it was when it was when that show was hot and super good, it really like seasons, handled the first couple seasons. Yeah. especially seasons were one very... and two were just so on point, and they did mm-hmm. so much and like. By the time they hit seasons three and four, they kind of got too up their own ass and self-aware. Mm-hmm. And then they all go to heaven at the end? <laughs> Purgatory. Oh, okay. And then heaven. Oh, okay. Right. Gotcha. It's so weird because they, cause they deal Just with... like, like Evangelion. Have... <laughs> Evangelion ended better. Everyone goes, everyone goes wow. to heaven except for the main character. <laughs> He's left alone. And then with one other person who he then tries to kill. <laughs> and then decides not to. And she calls him disgusting. Yeah. Wow. Cartoons are great. Yeah, the so thing about up. Evangelion is I don't know which ending you mean. Because um, I think... I like I, both. I, think I, it... <laughs> I like both. I like the abstract um, uh, human instrumentality ending. Mm-hmm. And I like the rejection of human instrumentality uh, in End of Evangelion. 
Um, I think they're both, they, they both speak to me on a, a pretty personal level. Like I get a lot of what those characters were going through. And I think it does a really good job of presenting all sides of that argument. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just like the crazy metaphysical argument that they're having. Um, mm-hmm. and you, they're kind of like two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Deal. Yeah. I really like both, uh, endings. So I would say both endings are better <laughs> than Lost's ending. <laughs> so I watched all of Evangelion like over a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And then like maybe two and a half years ago, I, I bought, um, the platinum version of the series and rewatched all of that. Those are really well restored, by the way. They, oh, yeah, yeah, it looks That's really good. It looks it, like recent, like I, because I, I have the original DVD releases. It's really, it's really gritty looking. It almost looks like something that would have come out like in the early nineties. Yeah, and then I, and then like the platinum editions, they're just so much more vivid, and um, like I really wonder how much redrawing was done on those, or how they restored them to in the way that just like it looked like something that was actually released in like two thousand six or two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. But, but um. So as recently as two and a half years ago, I rewatched all of Evangelion, and then I couldn't bring myself at the time to rewatch End of Evangelion. <laughs> yeah. So I, th- <laughs> I think I might have to revisit that recently. Um, so if you guys don't hear from me for a while, um, <laughs> you probably know the reason. It's kind of fun to watch on its own. Fun in big scare quotes. Yeah. <laughs> I watched it a couple times with a few people who hadn't even seen the show. Just as like a fun exercise. Well, the great thing, you know, it's got that great opening scene of a dude whacking off over a chick. Woo! Who doesn't love that? That does nothing like nothing to bring a little awkwardness to a room. And then the dub where he just goes, I'm so fucked up. I'm so up. fucked up. <laughs> it's such a good line. Yeah, and the subtitles, I think it's like, I'm, I'm hopeless. And that's yeah, not, that, that doesn't really. That doesn't <laughs> convey it at all. Like at uh, that point. He really is. He he is mind fucked beyond belief. Mm-hmm. Whew. You know it's funny. Spoiler one alert! One of the latest episodes. Of, one of the latest Steven Universe episodes ends with them. The congratulations out scene. Of, yeah, it, everyone's clapping for Steven. Congratulations! 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 And it actually like fits thematically, where he's like, they made a rigged test for him, and he knows it's rigged. But he also knows that they are trying really hard to make him feel good, uh-huh. and they're like, "Congratulations!" Aww. So then he lies and says, "Wow, that was, that was so tough. Thank you, guys. It's just what I needed." So back to Cora. <laughs> uh, that's about it, except for then the last minute of the show, which shoves in this lesbian relationship out of fucking nowhere. And it's so, just, so, so, in your opinion, they didn't really earn that at all. It they was did, just they did not. Yeah, they did not earn that. They did not hint at that. They did not deserve that. And then they distracted everybody from how bad the finale was by doing that because it's literally all anybody started talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's it's fucking genius in that way. Spartacus, <laughs> but with more lesbians. <laughs> it just it feels incredibly out of place because it's like. It is kind of a show that you're not sure how to end it because every season like has a different villain and like the story keeps going and then because it's not really really going in a specific place as a as a whole yeah. arc. So how do you end that? Like Avatar, the first one, like the goal from the beginning was to stop the Fire Lord. Yeah, so that's it ends when they stop the Fire Lord. Yeah, so Korra doesn't have that "we're done" moment. So it just kind of has it has her. the "we're done this time" moment. Yeah, yeah. 
So her and Asami just kind of hold hands and walk off, and it's really awkward. And it's like, mm-hmm. the end. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then the next day, one of the writers posts on Twitter, uh, Tumblr, yeah, we just did that. Just like self-congratulatory. Yeah! Did, did not it. did not fucking earn it at all. <laughs> so I, I feel like that's like a really weird moment because they're like, oh, Western cartoons can do a lesbian relationship in in a mainstream uh, production like that. Mm-hmm. Does no one remember um, on Nick Two or whatever Nickelodeon's uh, digital cable sister station is <laughs> Degrassi: The Next Generation? Where they did have lesbian relationships and what's essentially a high school uh, sitcom geared toward kids. I mean, the same kind of thing Core is. Mm-hmm. Um, we're acting like this is a magic trick at this point, but yeah. it's it's only in something that in something that people care about, even though it's it's really it's old hat, but yeah, it's hat that it. no one saw before because yeah, no one really paid attention to that way show. better. Yeah, Buffy handled it way better. Uh-huh. And it had a lot of the things we brought up way better. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess that's kind of an unfair comparison. <laughs> yeah, because that show's actually really good. It's really good. And, I like, just... trying to say, you should be as good as Buffy isn't really fair, but also, this is this silly vampire show. Or, and... or seen to Warrior Princess, for that matter. Even that, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, uh, and with my limited experience with the show, it's like, yeah, the the teenage romance bullshit was kind of like, okay, I don't really care. You spend too much time on this. But I was kind of rooting for Bolin the entire time. (laughs) Doesn't he turn into kind of a shithead as the series progresses? No, Bolin's still good. Bolin is like literally the standout character of that whole show. Like, Uh, I I really like him. But he's like, that show's tough. Yeah, because he's actually funny. Uh, Yeah. I guess like, in more ways than one. Not not being a lolly, that's not one of the ways in which he is. <laughs> no. I just <laughs> like mean like I just really like his character and what they do with him and he could have been like the goofy joke character and he kind of is, but he's very sincere about it and he's really good in He's like the main character of season 4 practically besides <laughs> Cora. Mhm. Where his arc really... is kind of more interesting than Cora's. <laughs> I remember they had some really cool stuff with Sokka by the end of the first show. I never liked him. Oh, I love Sokka. <laughs> He's kind of a shithead, but like... Hmm. Okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> He's yeah, kind of well, like, kind of like, bringing up Buffy, kind of like Xander. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I see a lot of people say that they're shitheads. And I'm like, well, yes, but... And then I trail off. Like Mako and Korra. Mako. Mako was the most like waste of a person that they had to cast to recite lines over animated sequences. I, I, I'm dead serious. <laughs> Who was Mako? Bolin's brother. Oh, uh, Bolin's brother. Bolin's brother. The fucking- oh, God, him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, I thought you were talking about Asami for a second. I was like, no. what? <laughs> Mako? No. Yeah. Mako is generic love interest in season one, and then they break up in season two. And then he's just a thing. And then they literally don't know what to do with him. He's, like, not in season four, practically. I I almost felt like they could have been interesting with him because he had joined the the Republic City police force and um, was kind of, like, getting into the corruption that the uh, endemic uh, police force had. 
Kind of like in real life, huh? Fancy yeah. that. Um, <laughs> but it, it, according to what you're saying, they just um, it, it got too anime, and they couldn't find anything interesting to do with him. <laughs> yeah. Once you have blue space giants, then you can't really do <laughs> police corruption. Kind of doesn't. Corruption. <laughs> it, police corruption doesn't quite add up to big purple blob <laughs> monsters and shit. Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of police corruption in Gurren Lagan, Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of room for that. But yeah, I really like Bolin in season four because he kind of finds himself roped into working for the villain for the first part. And then the villain kind of turns into Earthbender uh, Hitler. <laughs> so it's very ambiguous. Yeah. <laughs> So his arc of kind of like rebelling and escaping is more interesting than a lot of the other stuff in that season. Isn't and then Korra's, isn't Korra's arc basically just I need to learn to forgive all these awful men who have hurt me, and then learn to I forgive Hitler? Is I don't think it's arc? really about forgiveness. It's more about accepting what happened. Okay, that's that's I think better. That's better. It is much <laughs> but then, better. But then she does kind of forgive the villain at the end because I think she's also you know how you're saying how she was kind of an authoritarian like my way or the highway the villain yeah. in season four is kind of also like that so mm. she, she might see herself a bit in there and take pity that's cool there's so much like stuff in this show it's weird and it makes sense I guess that people like it when there's this much like this many like things boiling broiling beneath the surface and then there's just so much about it that just doesn't work at all though yeah <laughs> It's just so shitty in so many ways. It's ambitious, I guess. I guess, yeah. You have to admire that, I suppose. Um, Do you remember in season two, the joke character, uh, oh great, now I'm forgetting his name, the scientist kind of guy uh, with like the, the twirly mustache? Yeah, yeah, him. He's He was funny, I think. I think. They do, they do great things with him and his assistant yeah. in season he was four. The, he was like the only like good character I thought in season two. He was the only person where like when he came on screen, I was like, "Oh, look, here's here's like something that's actually enjoyable to watch for a second. Because I didn't yeah. really like Bolin in season two because he was like the movie star. movie star shit, and it just wasn't funny to me. But then like, what's his face was Je- and Julie were, t- <laughs> were actually Baron or something. Ba- Ver- Baron, Baron. Varen. Not, not Varen, the uh, weird dog lizard aliens in Mass no, Effect Varen, 2. Yeah. Varen, also, where he subtly was becoming like a villain for a little yeah. bit, and then they just do nothing with that. Like, it was actually kind of eerie for a second when he was, when um, it turned out that he had been behind something bad. Mm-hmm. And at the end, he's just like, whoops, I'm just wacky guy. Sorry. But it was kind of funny, though, when he's in jail and his assistant, June Lee, is also in jail with him. <laughs> <laughs> Taking notes the entire time. Uh-huh. God. Oh, season two is bad. Yeah. But it, it introduced Varric, so uh, if anybody actually Solid cares about... Sco- if anybody actually cares about spoilers, skip the next, like, five seconds. Varric and Julie get married at the end. Oh, what? Oh, I care it's really- about that. Oh. <laughs> really. It's really nice. Oh, it's, it's like, nice? Okay. It's, oh, it's probably the best thing they did in the show, maybe. That's really nice. Kind of like the, the pink bird smoke, pink bird moment. Yeah, because they get separated and then they kind of realize how much they need each other. Cool, and it's cute. Can we use and pink that, bird moment for anything that's just really shitty for the most part? But then there's like one thing that you really like, so then you're like, "This is great, y'all." Sure. 
I like I like the action in Korra. Like that's what kind of kept it me. It sure there is really the pretty. Time. The fucking fights in season three are just unreal. Uh huh. I saw I saw a couple clips. They're really pretty. Like, it's like Dragon Ball Z with a budget that doesn't suck. Yeah. And, and there's a there's one pacing. scene with the um. Sorry, sorry. I'm just um, saying. Like, go ahead. Sorry. Ah, there's one scene with Hitler, um, who I saw, and it looked like a cowboy bebop fight scene. It was yeah. just the coolest fucking thing. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Yeah, it's nice when you know fight an anime that doesn't have to take twenty minutes per fight, like Dragon Ball Z does, where. Oh, we got to pad it out to not get ahead of the manga. Uh, that's the thing I like with Sailor Moon is at least the fights are just short. <laughs> I mean, that's a very different style of fight, though, where it's not really. Yeah, that's not even really fights. It's just like there's the ritualistic the repetition <laughs> of stock animation and then they disappear. Mm-hmm. And that's Tuxedo I, Mask shows up. <laughs> that's what I liked about uh, the first movie the Sailor Moon R movie is that they actually like have a couple fights in there. <laughs> that is pretty nice. And like Jupiter gets like thrown into a wall and it like the whole thing explodes. So I'm like, Oh, they're actually fighting for once. What the hell? <laughs> Jeez, that's weird. I remember. Um, so we both, I took a Sailor Moon. So Anna took a Sailor Moon personality quiz asking me all the questions and I wound up being tuxedo mask apparently. <laughs> of course. And I told her I can empathize with Tuxedo Mask because he always shows up at the wrong times and he's kind of <laughs> useless. <laughs> so I think that's enough cartoon Cora talk. talk. For... Is it? Is there ever enough cartoon talk? We yes. brought up. We managed to go from Cora to Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> the logical progression, I think. Uh huh. They are working on a Breaking Bad cartoon, right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't so, so- they? So read, 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 read. What? What? Did you play any video games? I played a lot of video games. Tell us about the video games. Let's go over each one of them in ex- in extreme detail. <laughs> Maybe not a ton of detail. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I went back and played more Pix the Cat, mm-hmm. and that just came out on Steam the other day. Oh, so, it did. Yeah, ten bucks. Go oh, get it. neat. P i x the cat. It's really fun. Uh, so yeah, I got really into that over the weekend again for some reason. Like, I did the arcade mode. I just grinded it out until I could get 1.5 million, which unlocks the third board. And then I did that, and I'm like, holy shit, this is impossible. And then finished up nostalgia mode, and then went back and like got optimal times on every level. And I finished up the puzzle mode, and it's like I'm sitting at like 92 percent completion. And it's like. Oh man, there's like nothing for me to do left in this game, and I'm sad now. Oh, God, I forgot. I completely forgot about this game. I'm watching the clip now and just remembering how amazing it looks. It's kind of like when you get to a certain point in playing Isaac. It's like, yeah. oh, there's not a lot for me. It's like, I, I don't think I've played it in a couple weeks now. Which bums me out, you know, because I still like the game, obviously, but it's just like, I've kind of like lo- unlocked almost everything, and I don't really want to play as the Lost because it's just dumb. Yeah. I haven't hit, like, the complete point of saturation that you have in Isaac, but I have also kind of hit the point of, like, yeah, I kind of have, like, the kills on every boss for every character and don't really love the challenges that much. God, I had another... I've still been playing that, just not talking about it on the podcast, but then, like, I didn't have many kills for Maggie, Mm -hmm. 
So, like, I play as her, and, like, the first item was, I think it's Sacred something. Oh, God. Sacred Heart? No, it's, like, you take one free hit per entering a room. Oh, yeah, okay, I know holy, what you're talking holy about. Holy Mantle. Holy Mantle. Yeah. So, uh, that was my first item. And then, so I did the boss rush. I got the key. I killed Blue Baby. I killed Mega Say, and I'm just like... This game's almost predictable now, where it's just, like you can pull out these runs fairly consistently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just like an hour run. I'm just like, well, I did not quite expect that to go so long. But it still feels good when those runs happen. Yeah. Because that game, like, you really do feel awesome when you're overpowered as shit. It was funny, because that was actually a really kind of defensive run where yeah. my tears still sucked by the end. And I'm just like, fuck it, Mega Satan, let's go. I've got full life and holy mantle. Let's do it. And then fight him for, like, 15 minutes or something stupid. <laughs> oh, that fight is crazy, though. Yeah. And then I thought I was good at the game, and then I tried the Suicide King challenge. Good, yeah, have fun. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got to depths once, and then... The best way I've found to try and get that is, like, hope you get the Whipworm, because, like, it'll... Oh, jeez. It'll throw the, uh... It'll throw the Ipecac out so far that it won't have time to come back and like ipecac shots even if they're in the air so long as they cross an enemy's path they'll still explode yeah so i got pretty good at like hitting enemies like from two tiles away so that it wouldn't throw back at me but like my biggest problem with that is that i always hit a button to skip the boss intros Mm. And then that would fire a tear, and yeah. I would take half a heart of damage, and f- felt like bullshit. Like used, every time that used to be a whole heart of damage. Oh my god! Well, fuck that. Yeah, that used to be a whole heart of damage. So yeah, picks the cat. Very picks good the game. cat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'll probably grab that when it's five bucks or something. It's really picks fun. the cat goes fishing. Yeah, picks the cat goes fisting. Picks the uh, cat goes ridiculous fisting. <laughs> Gotta go deeper. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's gonna get the fisting joke because that, like, because that wasn't part of the podcast. Yeah, that's true. You scripted it out, and you accidentally wrote um, "cat goes fisting" instead of "cat goes fishing." Yes, it's real. We actually write. We actually write all of these podcasts in advance. Yeah, we 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 script them entirely. I'm reading off of a screen right now. Yeah. It's incredibly long. We're on page 600 by now. Dude, but like, we're so good at it now. It doesn't sound like we're reading. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're pretty great. Uh, so, continuing down the PlayStation Plus train of playing every game ever made, ever uh-huh. made, <laughs> I played a little bit of Road Not Taken, which is this cute little puzzle roguelike. And it's actually roguelike because it is turn based. Uh huh. But. That's how it works. Yeah, that's that's the one defining trait. Oh, my first top second. <laughs> This joke is never going to go away. <laughs> Poor Moosey. Poor Moosey. Uh, we love you, Moosey. You don't listen to this shit anymore. I know you don't. <laughs> we'll find out if he does. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> I talked about. I talked with, with him about Majora's Mask for an hour and a half yesterday. How did you do that? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, Rhett, you were Wait, playing Road Not Taken. I want to hear about that. No, you don't. Was it just an hour and a half of it's poop? Is his responses? No, we were just trying to dig at the essential nature of his. Does he like that game? I can't even remember. Oh, he no, loves he, he hates Mask. it. He's oh, okay. Biggest fan. Yeah. Biggest. 
yeah. So um, yeah, we just I just spent like an hour and a half kind of plugging away at his assumptions, like what he was saying, saying what I was enjoying about it, trying to um, basically ring out that something can be on the surface frustrating and ultimately serve a greater story. And ultimately, he agreed with that. Here's like what Dark I get. Souls. Here's what I get out of reading that conversation. Is yeah. that, you know what? You two just enjoy games differently. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's the entirety of the argument, is you enjoy games differently and for different things. Yeah. So I was kind of trying to, like, get, get my pers- make it so you can understand my perspective. Without just resorting to calling it stupid. Yeah, exactly. And I think I, I think we kind of did. Like I, I compare we compare with Deadly Premonition, which he said I I got him to say like he started off saying Deadly Premonition is terrible, but I love it. So then I said like are you if it's if you love it, why do you think it's terrible? And then we got we got it to the essential thing which was um there are decisions, gameplay decisions in Deadly Premonition that serve the story and some that don't. And the ones that do serve the story, even if they're on the surface frustrating, are good decisions. And he agreed with that. And I was like, cool. So all that we disagree with is that I think there are more decisions in Majora's Mask that benefit the story than don't benefit it. And the only way we could solve that disagreement is to do a close reading of the entire game going over each surface detail. And we probably (laughs) don't have that time. No, we don't. So we just left it at that. And it was nice. It took three and a half hours to do a surface level of everything in the game. Basically. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, we wouldn't actually have to do it again since we did a podcast where we just did that. There we go. So. Let's play Majora's Mask featuring Moosey, John, and Red. I'd watch. Oh, God. <laughs> this is stupid. Should make it happen. No, it's not stupid for this reason. No, no, it is stupid, though. <laughs> When uh, AGDQ played Majora's Mask, that's the most I've seen of Majora's Mask in my life. Mm-hmm. I love that run. It's so broken. Yeah. <laughs> they, like, oh, go into their fairy fountain, and, like, all the fairy fountains are somehow connected on the same map, so they can just clip out of bounds. And just tell- <laughs> yeah. The one I it's saw. Amazing. They go into, like, the fairy fountain in the main town, and then just exit a different way and end up in the ocean. And then they go back in and exit in the mountain. And then they can fast travel like oh all God, over the whole amazing. game, like 20 minutes in. Oh, did you ever see people do that with Link's Awakening, the Game Boy version? It's no. fabulous. They have this, there's this one glitch that just destroys the whole game. <laughs> it's great. The, like Everything becomes like glitchy and awful and flickering everywhere, but you can still play it, kind of. And you can skip across a bunch of obstacles. So it's, it's like the reading... Best. The wrong sprites for the graphics. I exactly. Guess. That, oh, that kind of that's, thing. That's nightmarish. I know, right? It's great. They fixed it in the color remake. Ugh. Wait, really? I thought yeah. they didn't do anything to that. No, they fixed the glitch that um basically the thing is like you pause at the edge of the screen and then like unpause in a weird way, and then you're on the other side of the screen. Huh. So you can skip across like a big bunch of obstacles if you can do that. That's cool. It is cool. Oh, so Road Not Taken. Road not <laughs> yeah, taken. that game. Huh. I could have swore you were talking about that. So it's puzzle game, randomly generated levels, and it's way too hard for me, which is the main thing I took away from it, because it's, it's also trying to kill you because it's a roguelike. Right. 
so it's like the main thrust of the game is that every year these kids get lost in the woods and they're going to freeze to death unless you get them back. So you kind of walk around this top-down map and you can pick stuff up and throw it in the direction that you're facing. Mm-hmm. But, like, you can't turn. So, like, an ob- if you're below an object and pick it up, you'll only be able to throw it up until you approach it from a different side. Hmm. It's kind of hard to explain. It's kind of hard to actually work with in the game itself. And then just because the levels themselves are also randomly generated, like, it just kind of ends up feeling like kind of messy puzzles where there's no distinct solution to it. You there's know what no I'm saying? elegance to the puzzle because yeah. it wasn't, like, you know, hammered out. Yeah, they're not handmade. Like, it's very kind of messy and sloppy. And sometimes, towards the end, like, if you get far enough in, like, you'll go into rooms and it's just, like, there's so much just random shit happening. Like, there's bushes that'll damage you if you pick them up. And then, like, teleporting ninja bears that just will move when you move and just fuck you over. And demons that'll roam around as well and eat the kids. And then you can't complete the mission because the kids are actually already dead. Whoops. But it's an interesting game. And I gave it a couple hours because I am trying to give these games a fair shot before being like, you know what? I don't like this anymore. But the one thing... One thing that was funny in Road Not Taken is that between the levels, like, time passes and you can talk to characters in the main town, and you can eventually get married. So I had this cute little marriage ceremony with this one character named Red that I kept talking to every year, and then did a couple more of the puzzles, and it was like two years later. And then she broke up with me. (laughs) And it was just so, like, the fuck? (laughs) Like, just so out of nowhere to get dumped in this game and i was just like this is depressing i don't want to play anymore (laughs) and then so even though when you die normally the game would restart but you can also like pray to an altar to not die when not start the game over when you die but if you do that you like lose all your permanent upgrades and items and shit right so it's just like well you might as well just start over but I kept trying to beat, like, the last year, and I just couldn't. And eventually, like, Rage uninstalled the game. <laughs> like, fuck this. I don't want to keep wasting time trying to beat this because I can't. So I'm just going to uninstall it and never look at it again. So, uh, that's a game. I can't I can't remember Rage uninstalling a game. I think it did that once with a single um, iPhone game that I was just like, I played, like, because it was pretty, I played it for, like, two hours and then i realized wait a second wait a second wait a second wait a second this is bullshit this is bullshit delete 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 (laughs) that is me with pretty much every phone game ever it's like instant like i can play a phone game for two or three minutes and it'll be like yep that's a rage uninstall i i rage uninstalled the demo for skull skull girls oh wow because i don't think i landed a single hit on my ai opponent oh the ai in that game is fucking brutal and I rage uninstalled Toho Mountain of Faith. Oh, that's final a tough boss. one. I I got stuck on the final boss for that. Yeah, the on final that one for like boss. Two hours. Her final attack is just so mean. It's rough. Yeah, for some for some reason I remember the difficulty in Subterranean Animism was probably higher, but it felt more spread out. I guess. Yeah. 
I mean, the final boss in that game is mean too, but it's also fucking rad as hell. So yeah, you get caught up in just the spectacle of that fight. I just, mm-hmm. I just don't care for Toho games. I guess. I mean, if I'm gonna play <gasps> shmup, it's gonna be a dumb Dreamcast shmup like um, Gigawing Two or Mars Matrix or don't play Mars Matrix. Weren't all those like don't play so? Those are a or, bunch of arcade ports, right? Yeah. Cool. Or, or like a cave game like uh, Gawang or um, Dodon Patch. You should play Crimson Clover. I don't think I want to. You suck. <laughs> Toho, Toho games have a really unique flavor, and I really dig them yeah, for the ways they differentiate themselves. They're definitely their own style uh, as it mm-hmm. relates to shmups in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I honestly like Subterranean Animism more than almost any other shmup, though. Yeah, that one's... That game. That game is so good. Oh, man. So, Reed. Hi. <laughs> Didn't notice you there. Oh, that happens. Yeah, Didn't okay. notice your leaning tower of the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I played some more video games. What else did you play? <laughs> Uh, I played Uncharted 3. Uh-huh. So, I had a bit of a saga with this game. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Ooh, saga? A bit of a saga. Oh, not, God. Not, the, not that kind of saga. <laughs> uh, I got this game when it was on PlayStation Plus, but a year ago, when I got my PS3, this was one of the free games up there. And I played it a bit when it was new. Not new, but when I first got it, like literally a year ago. And then I put it down for like eight months because I am fucking terrible at dual analog controls. <laughs> so that'll do it. Several months ago, I tried to go back to it and I'm like, I had quit at this one really tough shooting sequence. And I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. Were, were boats involved? No, this is so much earlier than that. That's oh, the fun okay, because that boat, that boat fight, yeah. I think you know where I'm talking about. That, well, yeah. That thing can go <laughs> fuck itself. <laughs> no, this was like chapter seven or eight or something uh-huh. that I was just like, I can't do this. I, like, I got to be- get better at dual analog control. So my problem is that when I learned kind of right analog stuff, I did inverted Y and inverted X. Because eh. I am a weirdo. That's, that's too much for me. So that's how I played Dark Souls. And then at some point, there was one game that refused to do inverted X. Oh. So I kind of just unlearned it and started doing normal X and inverted Y. Yeah. But then when I went to play Uncharted 3, I found that my main problem is that I'm fine with inverted Y for camera controls, but then as soon as you hit the left trigger and mm-hmm. go into zooming mode, pressing down to go up makes no sense. I, it just feels natural to me for some reason. I, I think that might have a lot to do with how I played Resident Evil 4. I, I was weird for a while. Um, so back in the day with first-person shooters, I would, al- I would always do inverted Y because I had played more flight sims before I had played first-person shooters. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, I, I was always used to pulling back to look up. Um, it eventually got to where I had to, I, I had to switch um, to the, it, the way that um, natural Y feels more natural to me. Um, yeah. Just like a mouse move up, you look up, and 
Mm-hmm. Then when I started playing uh, Twin Sticks games, which um, one of the first I played was the first Uncharted, um, I never went back at that point. So, Awkward so pause. yeah, sorry, my cats just are screaming at each other. I think I heard it. <laughs> Scream at own ass. <laughs> I thought that was one of y'all like going. Meh, 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 meh. That's my cats. You guys could hear that. Yeah, I heard that. Oh my god, they get into it once in a while. Uh, so yeah, when I played Uncharted 3, I'm trying to have like inverted Y for normal camera, but then normal Y when you're holding the left trigger, and it oh, just... Oh, God, that would fuck me up so bad. Because I just couldn't aim without having it be normal. Right. So eventually I was just like, I'm going to have to unlearn inverted Y. So that's actually why I played Enslaved when I did. Because I just oh. set it to normal controls. Yeah. Just being like, fuck it, I'm just going to force myself and. That game was pretty easy because, like, to learn it with because it's not really requiring a lot of Dexterity camera movement. And ca- yeah. Yeah. Because there were so many times, like, constantly I would be hitting up when I wanted to move the camera down and just, like, gotta unlearn it, gotta unlearn yeah. it. And then towards the end of that game, like, there is a little bit of th- third-person shooting with the stick, but it's pretty simple. So yeah. I started getting a handle on it through that, and then... Finally went back to Uncharted 3 to set everything to normal, and hey, I can play this now. Awesome. I have unlearned, inverted, and I can play third-person shooters now. So I got through... I did, like, a third of that game a night. Damn. I beat it in two nights. But then it gets so fucking hard at the end anyways. Yeah. I, I, I threw that game down to easy at a certain I, point. I did too. I just could not take it anymore. Because, like, I actually didn't have a lot of trouble on the boat stuff that you're mentioning. Really? But then, like, I got through that maybe one death or something. Like, damn. Some of the fights in that game, like, they can just kind of go your way. Yeah. Or if you're in the wrong spot, the wrong time, guy with the shotgun just fucking one hits you. Yeah. Like, but towards the end, though, like, after, the, like, I struggled through the desert stuff trying to deal with fucking assholes with rocket launchers. But then the end game stuff, like demons start coming up. I'm like, yeah. oh, just getting one hit constantly. I'm like, it's not even my inability to like properly aim. I'm not taking like 15 seconds to line up a single shot. It's like it I finally realized like it's not me. It's just this game is a little bit too damn hard for me. Yeah, yeah. All of the Uncharted games pull some bullshit like that at the end, where there's, like, a new type of enemy that in no way fights the way you fought before. They constantly charge yeah. you. My gripes with the Uncharted games weren't so much the combat. that I mean, it seemed to be attack on, but more like the weird platforming shit where it's like, this is the one way to clear it, and you're a dumbass for not figuring it out. Um, so, I... I I played the first one, and being such an early in the PlayStation 3 lifecycle game that it was, I could recognize how rough it is. Yeah. Um, especially in um, instances where you walk into uh, an area where it's like, oh, I, Nate lo- says out loud, I hope they don't see me. Oh, and then <laughs> it's, like, it's one of those things where you, once you pass a certain point on the map, everybody yeah. aggros on you. Yeah. Um, and I think Uncharted 2 did that a little bit better where you actually could have stealth segments, um, even though it was kind of scripted, as it were. Very scripted. And I think Uncharted 2 is such a very good follow-up to the first one, um, and it pushed the PlayStation uh, 3 hardware as much as it did. But um, I haven't played Uncharted 3 
eh, you could skip it. Uh, yeah, I, I I think I'm feeling good about having made that decision. <laughs> yeah, there's... <laughs> well, someone linked me... You, I think it might have been Reed linked me the um, Burning Mansion. That was really cool. That part's really cool. That part's really cool. That game I is... I watched that, a video that, of it. That series is just all really great set pieces, really. Mm-hmm. It's really a cinematic series. Uh, maybe the first one not so much, but they really were just like figuring out what they could do with this uh, generation of console hardware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And two, like, really kind of uh, capitalized and perfected that... Um, that segued into uh, more of Naughty Dog's later offerings on uh, the mm-hmm. PlayStation 3 hardware. Yeah. Yeah. If only there was some way they could kind of marry that kind of <laughs> cool, fun, uh, kind of I- engaging game style with a kind of a more meaningful story or characters, you know? Shame you that never really came to... fucking hammer. Say, saying that never really came to pass. <laughs> you guys... <laughs> So I haven't. I'm the opposite of Boner. I haven't played the first Uncharted, mm-hmm. but it feels like the one thing people took away from that is that the shooting sucked. So they really tried to improve the shooting for Uncharted Two. Yeah, and I feel like the thing they took away from that is, hey, people really like these crazy set pieces. Yeah. So for Uncharted Three, they just shoved as much shit as they possibly could into uh, the game. And- See, I think in moderation that's okay, but if you make that the main focus, then it ends up being like um, the no PlayStation pacing. 1 version of Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> you have no pacing at that point. It's just big set piece, big set piece, whereas Uncharted 2 has these quieter moments where you... Like, there are large parts of that game where it's just like, hey, check out the scenery. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I came to Uncharted 3, like, this week, having played, like, the first third of it a year ago... And then from where, so from where I picked up, it was just, it fucking went like the entire time. Just set piece, set piece. Yeah, that game goes. It goes so fucking hard. I mean, it's kind of great, but kind of ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, I can't even remember. Like, I was, the one big set piece I had already done was the burning house. Mm -hmm. But then, like, I was pretty close to the boat stuff, and then that leads to the plane stuff, and then that leads to, like, the horseback stuff, and then the end game, and it's yeah. just, it just doesn't let up. No. This is kind of nuts. So, I quite enjoyed that game, even though it had some difficulty issues mm-hmm. with myself not knowing dual analogs, and then just the game itself just kind of being bullshit hard at the very end. Yeah. But overall, a good experience. Cool. Which leads to me buying Uncharted 2 and playing that. A much better game. I saw the tank set piece video for that. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah, there was a tank. So, (laughs) I've been playing Uncharted 2 the last few nights, and, man, that game's pretty good, too. Yeah, it really is. Yep, I agree. Did you get to the train sequence yet? Uh, yeah, that was... So good! Was there a tank on the train? I can't remember. It's just... Kind of a blur. It all blurs So much shit happens. I haven't played that game in two or three years, so... Mm -hmm. I I played it in 2011. I think it was the Game of the Year edition I bought, like, on an Amazon sale or something. Yeah, that's when I got it, too. Mm -hmm. I feel like I would really like Uncharted 2, just based on my experience with some of Naughty Dog's later offerings. I think they might might have a handle on the kinds of AAA current-gen experiences that... um, are exciting to me. Yeah. So it's kind of funny playing this one after three because mm-hmm. <laughs> you see 
like the DNA, but in reverse, and kind of realizing like, wait a minute, these two games kind of have the exact same storyline. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, we got to get the thing from the bad guys. No, yeah. no. Like, and then the bad guy, uh oh, the bad guy stole the thing. We've got to get it back. Yeah. But like, they're very similar in just the beats by beats, but Uncharted 2 does not have as many locations as yeah, 3, yeah. but that's a kind of a good thing because it leads to them spending much more time in each area. It gives each area room to breathe. Like, you have those quieter moments where you're just kind of walking around looking at things. Yeah. So when you're I'm, hanging out with your uh, your Sherpa bro who doesn't speak <laughs> the same language as you in the Himalayas. <laughs> <laughs> that one was weird. So I haven't beaten it, but I'm pretty close to the end. I'm on, like, chapter 23. Yeah, you are, like, right there. I hit a moment with some bullshit enemies last night. I, I know went, what you like, mean. Uh, yeah. It was... Okay, I think there are zombies at the end of this, but I haven't gotten there yet. Mm, but... Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> there were two guys in, like, giant armor with yeah. miniguns. You should play Uncharted 1, I mean, just for the no. yachts, because it'll it'll get to the point... <laughs> if you played Far Cry 1, we'll get to the point where it's like, why are we doing this in this kind of game? Yeah. Why am I encountering these kinds of enemies in what I thought was like a straightforward action Indiana Jones type uh, set piece? Yeah. Can you crisis? Far no, Cry 2? Far Cry 1. Yeah, Far Cry 1, it has a very similar visual aesthetic. But does it have aliens at the end? Well, Crisis has aliens like Crisis in the first has aliens two hours. Like, yeah, yeah. That's not. It doesn't feel out of place in that game, so it's different. There's a funny line in Uncharted Two where he says something like, "Oh, the power's out, and there's a girl trapped in an elevator. I hope there isn't a zombie around the corner." And I just think, "Fuck!" I, I look. So I looked up on like the Uncharted wiki, and they say like that's a reference to the first game, and I'm just thinking it sounds like a reference to The Last yeah. of Us. <laughs> <laughs> You're almost a Drake sandwich. Oh god. <laughs> so, and in between those games, I played The Last of Us, and we're gonna be vomiting about that uh, next. A uh, week, so yeah, we can. Probably I played that as well. <laughs> probably will be playing and, it some more. <laughs> and talk about a mood change between those going through those. Oh, three oh God, no kidding! <laughs> Especially weird going from finishing The Last of Us to Uncharted Two and having to go like two generations back on the control scheme. Yeah. Like, okay. What does what again? Fuck. <laughs> so yeah, really weird because I was playing The Last of Us leading up to um, trying to do a podcast, and then. Um, trying to replay Dark Souls in the past two days, and I was oh, like, man. oh, okay, so, yes, um, circle button dash is not um, fucking R2. Yeah. I have literally tried to hit listen mode in Uncharted 2 like a hundred times. Especially during, like, the stealth parts where it's like, I can't see where everybody is. This is impossible. Remember when it was just, like, A, B, select, start, D-pad? Yeah. It's like, what do you mean? You mean B jumps instead of A? Fuck this shit. This is so fucked up. Uh, this you know is like diarrhea off wrong? a dog's butthole. You know where it all went wrong? Fucking Super Nintendo. Uh, eight buttons. Eight buttons and a D-pad. Did we need that? Did our games at that point in time need eight 
buttons and a D-pad. Most most games just used B and Y, and then I it, know. Would, it would just Super. double that on A and X. Street Fighter so it just made it confusing. Only Street Fighter 2 utilized all the buttons on that controller on that system. Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. Super Metroid. Fighting games, are, Super fighting Metroid. games like, don't sure. even count. They're just weird, weird things on the side. So like, the I, first time I tried to play Super Metroid was on an emulator, and uh, it was a four-button D-pad, and it's like, what do you mean I can't aim? What the hell? Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, Super Metroid's also weird because the default controls are, like, kind of in weird places where I think B... B runs and then shoot is like X. Yeah, it's the... completely fucked. Yeah. But yeah, I think it all went wrong with the Super Nintendo. They should have just what the had hell? two fewer buttons. Boom. Everything would have been way see, better forever. John, back in my day, we had games where you had keyboard overlays. You had to take like a piece of folded up cardboard and put it over your keyboard to remember what keys did what in this flight sim or RPG or whatever the hell have you that you were about to play. Huh. Does that, does that, does that touch all your buttons about being an inaccessible game or <laughs> you can fuck yourself? <laughs> I think that meets all of his criteria. Maybe. No, I played a couple of those like old Ultima games and it's just like, uh, D is drink. No, Q is drink. Uh, no, Q is cloth. Uh, <laughs> uh, Q is queef. Qu- Whoa! Hey. No, it's the queefing mechanics are essential to the Ultima games. <laughs> I don't know that I've, I've never played all, in any Ultima game. <laughs> Good lord. So um, moving on. Is that that all you've been into, Mister Red? Yes. Oh, right. oh, wait. What? There was <gasps> something else that I played last night. What's that? Hyperdimension Neptunia Rebirth Volume 1. Oh, really? Yeah. Want to give I, us what? the want to give us a, a just like what your thoughts are right now. It's really systems heavy, but it doesn't oh, yeah. seem But it also doesn't seem that dense, which is kind of contradictory. Hmm. But some of the crafting stuff is super weird. Like you're literally crafting new dungeons. What? And like Yeah. That is nothing I remember from the PS3 version at all. I don't this is not the same game like at all, as far as I can tell. Is this like a retelling? Is this start from the this beginning? Is a, this is it's a remake. Yeah. Like, and they just basically it, changed the entire game. What is this st- game? Neptunia. I know sure. that. What is it? I'm it's watching, it's looking a at it console on waifu, so you've got a Wii ton and a PS3 ton, and it's an RPG based on um, basically 4chan memes of um, uh, personified I, versions of I don't modern know if day consoles. I don't know if you're pulling my leg here. No, I'm this not. is a real thing. That's really what it is? Yes. yes. They call it the console wars in the game. Yeah. What? Game industry is the name of the world. <laughs> You play Are you as, sure y'all aren't screwing with me? It's Japan. This is normal. Okay. You play as Neptune, who represents Sega. She has a little sister called Nepgear, who represents the Game Gear, because it's a handheld system. There's, huh. a girl, there's a girl who represents the Wii, and she has two little sisters called Rom and Ram, who represent the DS, because it has two screens. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is so much detail now that I'm pretty sure you're not lying. <laughs> no, I'm just looking is- at the screen, and there's nothing on this that... 
screams like Sega. Oh, what? This is so yeah, none weird. of the characters really look like their systems, except I met Falcom last night, who has red hair. Yeah, she, she looks, is. So it's basically female. That's been, she's female at all. Yeah. That's fantastic. But, like, the systems in the game are really weird, and, like, the combat is super fast. Like, it'll move as fast as you can, like, hammer out the buttons. Damn. Well, I'm so, looking at it. It looks, it's just, like, it's really bewildering. And it's got lots of boobs. Mm-hmm. Lots of boobs. The character designs are cute, though. I really like them for some reason. It's kind of yeah. making me think of, like, Chantilly's. Is kind that of, yeah. Well, just you that know how that kind of look? <laughs> the dungeons have that very, uh, doujin feel to them. Where it's yeah. like, boy, this is low budget. Yeah. They look I guess e- that was kind of the They looked kind of the even vibe. worse in the original release. I, I almost can't believe that. Cause it's it just, feel- like, so bad. It does feel like the Dungeons and Chantilly's, which was like a two-person indie game or whatever. Yeah. But it's cute, and the voice acting is interesting. <laughs> it's so hot. I'm so I like can't play the battles in Japanese because they're screaming out the moves for like every single attack constantly. Oh, oh my god! So and because the combat moves so fast, like they have to say it super quickly because. The combat can go so fast, but it's really funny in English. Because <laughs> they're trying is... so fast. <laughs> but Neptune's attacks in English are like, when you click on an enemy, she goes, I'm going to hit you. And then when you hit the enemy, she goes, I hit you or something. I love it. I love, <laughs> that, they kept, I love that they kept those lines because I thought those were funny. I'm going to hit you. I think her line in the PS3 version was, I'm going to hit it. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm gonna wreck it! <laughs> yeah, I guess I'd always thought of Hyper Dimension Neptunia as like that, just some weird, um, like long running Arc Rise Fantasia Bobbledygook Tales of the of Abyssia Legendia. It kind of is now. There are so many fucking installments to this series. Uh huh. Oh, it's basically it's, just the kind of thing where I just everything I just kind of tuned everything I heard about it out because no one I who I knew was really into any of them. So I just was like, okay, this is Star Ocean bullshit, whatever. I don't care. As far as I can tell, mo- most people seem to want to like the series because the characters are cute, but then the games were really bad. Yeah, they, they and like the they, anime was really bad too. It's like, I really wanted to like that PS3 game. I tried to stick with, it, and it's just like I can't play this it is boring yeah so they really really took to heart the complaints about the speed in this one where it's like almost headache inducingly fast like you kind of want us to stop and think about your moves sometimes because it goes so fast i can't stress enough how fast the combat is because when the enemy turns come up it's just like boop 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 like what (laughs) What and that's the damage (laughs) it's just like okay one of my characters is dead now for some reason. And the Lily system. <laughs> it's so blatant. Because Lily is slang for lesbian. Yeah. That's beautiful. So, you like, when, you know, like, each character has, can have a backup character, and of course they're all females, and it's called the Lily mm-hmm. system. And then you all come together and you just have a lesbian bear storm? I hope so. Is this cool. one of those games where there are no male characters? I don't think there are. Like Toho? There are males in the universe. I don't think there are any playable male characters. Does this uh, does this game does this version of the game like because like the there was like like 
weird, like, you had to invest in the actual console war and game industry and change, like, uh, like, the outcome of the war, like, which side of the war is winning, and you had these three gauges that, like, determined, like, who was winning. Is there any way of, like, influencing that, or did they just rip that out? So is it a sequel to Say Gaga? Ga? No. <laughs> Um, when you do side quests for the guild, mm-hmm. it'll say, like, if you do this quest, Neptune's shares will go up 2%, but then this one will go down 2%. Okay, so they still have it. So there is... It was a really play. fucking annoying system. I hated it. I haven't... It hasn't really given me the tutorial on, like, why to care about that shit yet, but it is in there. And there's, like, this build-a-combo thing you were talking about earlier, where it's, like, when you attack an enemy... You have three different ways to attack them where one of them is like to break their defense, one of them is to just do damage, and one of them is to raise your special meter quicker. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I'm just kind of hammering AAAX to break their guard and then do a strong attack. I remember that the enemies in uh, the PS3 version also had way too much fucking health. Like, I remember, like, there were certain fights, like, in the first dungeon, like, that would take, like, two or three minutes, because the the enemies just had so much freaking health, it was stupid. Yeah, they've definitely improved the combat a million-fold, it sounds like. Because I keep looking at this game, and it's like, I want to buy it. You should buy it. it. I should buy it? (laughs) Well... I'm going to add it to my cart right now. We're going to live buy a game on the podcast, purchase for myself. I don't... I feel bad about this now. Cause Why? It's, I don't know. Now I'm going to tweet I, every day about how much I hate it. <laughs> Are you going like, to disassociate from Rhett? <laughs> I, no. could, I could never do that. I love his thing along a doodong day too much. It's like a cute game, but it might also be really boring. Mm-hmm. I don't know yet. I'll let you. I'll let you spend another few days with it before I make make, make you make that decision. Just oh, let, me, let me know. Let me know before February fifth. Yeah. You should find Cat Goes Fishing, because it's a cute game <laughs> that might also be really boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alright. So I think cute, boring games, they're kind of great. I want to get a little bit deeper into it and see how the systems kind of develop, like, the Lily system, but, like, when I have six playable characters, like, will that be more interesting on the combat side? Right, right. It's also really weird crafting dungeons where it's like, I unlock this optional dungeon and everything in there is like killing me in two hits it's like so should i grind it and try to do that or is that going to unbalance the story mode i don't know yeah it's like stuff like that always it's just confusing it's yeah. just like why should like why did i craft that like why should i be able to craft that right now very strange and like everything has like vaguely game term things oh yeah, yeah. like materia is called like game discs yeah so it's like you craft, you literally program video games in order to give your characters upgrades, like regenerate health. <laughs> does it so, have a? Uh, does it have uh, the attacks where you can uh, put in your own JPEG images? Because that's uh, uh, that's another thing the original game had is you could like import JPEGs into certain <laughs> special attacks. If it has it, I haven't gotten there, so I can't say no. Mm. But I have not seen that yet. That sounds really crazy. Yeah, it's a, it's that is such a fucking weird game. The enemies are all really dumb too. Like one of them's just like a fat otaku, <laughs> and one of them's like a ghost from Pac-Man, and it's actually named Clyde. Oh that's wow, <laughs> that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So it's like I really want to like this. Yeah, everybody wants to like this series because it's cute and fun, but the gameplay was. Yeah. Yeah. 
what we really need is that PP the 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 idle one. Yeah, perfecting producer or something. Per- per- yeah, perfect pecker prom. <laughs> yeah, make up your own subtitle. I will, motherfucker. Don't test me. So are you done? I'm done. All right. Um, I guess we're going to move on to me, uh, a.k.a. the boring part of the podcast, because I'm going to talk about a bunch of shit. That... You mean the awesome part of the podcast? Shit. This is the part where you can go ahead and turn off the podcast because you don't care. Um, and these guys are probably going to fall asleep listening to me <laughs> talk about any of this shit. Uh, I'm going to talk about music a lot because January was a fantastic month uh, for releases, if you like my kind of music. Um, so, hey, if you want to not listen to this part, I won't hold it against you, because it's going to be boring and stupid, and these guys will probably have nothing to say, but I hope they do to some degree. I've got one thing to say, but you already know what it is. I'm gonna keep that. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that in so. Hey, what, what's going on? I'm gonna keep that in so Raquel hey. can pr- can loop it and pretend you're sleeping beside her. Aww, aww. <laughs> you mean Buckhill, right? Buckhill, yes, Buckhill. I keep I I get the two mixed up all the time. So anyway, uh, January started off with a fucking banger. Uh, it started off with a surprise new release from Death Grips, uh, oh. called, called Fashion Week. And I know this band. <laughs> it is an all instrumental album, um, and it's really good. Like it's it's not stuff you will typically hear uh, in a Death Grips album. It has a lot more melody and song structure to it, and you know it doesn't have uh, ride on vocals uh, on any of the tracks either. Which a lot of people seem to not like it because of that. But I come to Death Grips because I really like how they produce. And uh, for me, just like, you know, MC Ride's ability on the mic, you know, just adds to that. But uh, taken as its own kind of entity, I really like the production of this record. It's just like top to bottom. There's not really a bad um, cut on it. Um, I do like how with this record that they're sort of just fucking with their fans a lot. Um, because also we're still waiting on their quote unquote final release, which is titled Jenny death. And that sort of spawned a meme of people just shouting Jenny death, win! Jenny death, win! and, um, the track list for, um, for fashion week, uh, each track starts with the name runway. And then like you go down the playlist and it starts with runway J Runway E, Runway N, Runway N, and it keeps going until the the entire track list spells out Jenny Death Win. And I thought that was really funny. Uh, They're a band that is notorious for fucking with their fans and doing funny shit like canceling an entire tour with Nine Inch Nails. (laughs) Hilarious. And and I I had made the comment um, that this was like the Ghosts 1 through 6 Nine Inch Nails, but... Death Grips version because it's just all instrumentals. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that. Like, I don't know if these are scraps that were left over from, like, government plates or the first half of uh, the powers that be, or if this is new stuff that was produced, or some people are even speculating that this is actually the instrumentals for Jenny Death. (laughs) Which would be crazy, and it would be something I would fully expect them to do. Um, So, yeah. Fashion Week, I'm guessing none of you listen to it. 
I listened to some of it. What did you think? I, like I actually it? liked it. Really? Did you ever give the whole thing a listen, or I just I didn't listen to the whole thing? But Aww. sorry. Did, did, yeah, I didn't it, listen to the whole thing either. I'm not made of money. Have like infinite time to listen to instrumental albums. Well, <laughs> it, it's a free album, so you don't have to pay for it. Um, did, did, did anything you listened to on there maybe think like, hey, maybe I'll try some Death Grips? No, well, I've tried <laughs> Death Grips before that um, broke. Mm-hmm. And I'm I could get into that. I'm not a huge fan yet. I listened to the Money Store first. Great, for, great album to start with. After that, I listened to Ex Military. Great album to follow it up with. And um, haven't listened to anything else other than that. But you know, it's like uh, I listen to a lot of music while I'm washing dishes, and yeah. um, that's one of the things. Just like yeah, I can you know wash the fuck out of these dishes, scrub that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Death Grips is good washing dishes music. You will wash the fuck out of those dishes. Might even throw a few across the room because you're so noited. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Um, I also checked out the new Marilyn Manson album, The Pale Emperor. And I have gone back and forth on this album quite a bit since it came out. At first, I thought, great, this is Eat Me, Drink Me Part 2. And that album was dog shit. Uh, and then it's like... Uh, I kind of like a couple of songs. And now I'm kind of at a point where it's like, I think that overall the album as a whole isn't terrible. Um, I like the high end of low and I, I really liked born villain. And I think that this is a bad follow up to born villain. Um, my only real problem with the album is it's just, it is stuck at one tempo the entire time. So there's, uh, there's no, yeah. there's hardly any variety. Like it's just stuck at this one speed the entire time, uh, save for, like, one or two songs, and, um, I would say, like, if you're looking for something that's closer to Old School Manson, maybe just, you know, YouTube the song Deep Six, and you'll be happy, um, because I think that that's probably the best cut on the record, and it's the only song on the record that kind of steps out of that that same fucking pace that the rest of the album is stuck in. They're not bad songs, they're just kind of there, and uh, it just, not a good follow-up for when you thought, oh, this guy's kind of, you know, starting to be relevant again, and then it's just like, eh. I will say, though, that um, th- there is a lyrical line in the album that I thought was genius, and it was, it's, uh, you want to know what Zeus said to Narcissus, you better watch yourself. I thought that, that's, okay, that's really good. That's that's. But then, the end of the album, you have... Uh, even angels die in the arms of demons. Uh, <laughs> way to go. Way to ruin it. I just want to say that overall, so like Manson's career, as everybody knows, like certain songs like Dope Show or Beautiful People uh, that really stand out. But like, like you were saying, everything like kind of hits the same tempo. So to me, like the overall arcing, like, stock Marilyn Manson song is this beat that's like yeah <laughs> and you can think of several that follow that so like dope hat yeah. or the cover of Depeche Mode personal Jesus yeah. or Army goddamn motherfucking Geddon which is um, a good song title. they all follow that same kind of beat and I feel like um so do you feel like there were it was kind of hitting that same thing where it's just like falling back like uh, this is old hat this is what um, what we've been doing for the past um, 
you know, two decades or whatever. Yeah, it, it feels really phoned in. It feels like they look like you know they looked at the Marilyn Manson toolbox and just pulled out the most familiar items and said, "Let's let's work with these pieces again." Whereas I feel the high end of low and born villain kind of dabbled a little more. They felt a little more adventurous at times. Um, and, and we're obviously never going to get anything like Antichrist Superstar again. Um, right. You know, Trent Reznor was largely behind that. And Manson has even said, you know, that album didn't really turn out the way he wanted it. You know, he's always wanted to have more of a glam kind of sound and not really gothic and, and dark and industrial. So, uh, and so even though I think Antichrist Superstar is his best work, uh, I can understand, like, getting away from that and wanting to do something that's more up his own alley. It just does not appeal as much to me because I just – I my ears – like abrasive sounds and uh you know the, the most maryland most maryland manson stuff these days is just so glossy and clean and overproduced and there, there's not a lot of great material there yeah, i haven't listened enough. to any maryland manson besides antichrist superstar so yeah. i always thought that everything yeah. else was just kind of a variation on that so i'm not just like, oh God. you should at least you should at least try mechanical animals yeah yeah that's where he sort of started to move more in the direction that he wanted to himself and mechanical animals is good uh hollywood like oh uh, man that, <laughs> that album is boring uh, that is mechanical uh, animals. Yeah, um, and okay. after that, the golden age of grotesque is just shitty shit, shit on a shit dick. <laughs> uh, and eat me, drink me. I know. And it's terrible. eat me, drink me is goddamn horrible. The high end of low and born villain are good, and this is just kind of. Oh, uh, oh, hey, it's the new Manson album. Gotcha. What, what's the one before Antichrist Superstar? Portrait of uh, an American Ford. Family. Is that one good? Oh, and then there was the Smells Like Children. Uh, yeah, the Smells EP. Like Children EP, that's where the uh, cover of Sweet Dreams came from. And then there's Portrait of an American Family that came before that. It's, it is a straight-up kind of rock record. Mm. Um, I, don't, I think that it lacks a bit of identity, even though it's trying to have one. It kind of, it's like a little too try-hard, if you ask me. Okay. Uh, I, still, I don't think it's. I don't think it's horrible. Um, I don't think it's horrible either. I enjoy it. I will throw it on every now and then and listen to it. Uh, it's definitely worth a listen, but it's not really anything like if you've only heard Modern Manson or only really know Antichrist Superstar. That album's gonna take like it's, like, it's gonna sound really weird to you. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. But it's, it's worth a listen. It's worth a listen. I'm pretty much in the same boat of John as just. Antichrist Superstar is the good one. That's it. That's yeah, all I, there, probably, I probably listen to Antichrist Superstar through like, and like there's three a, times. There's a lot of like just album. there's a lot of classic Manson songs on that first album. Cake and Sodomy, uh, Get Your Gun, Lunchbox. Reflecting God. Oh wait, no, we're not talking no, about Antichrist Reflecting Superstar. God was Antichrist Superstar. Yeah, um, I thought we were talking about Antichrist Superstar. Uh, Misery <laughs> okay. Machine, Cyclops, Wrapped in Plastic. Like every song on there, I yeah, like yeah. it. I think they're really good songs. Uh, but when you hold that album up to his later work that is really good you know even some of the more latter day stuff it doesn't hold up quite as well it's a good curiosity though cool um and then um moving on to stuff that i know nobody but me listened to um the new record by new york based rapper joey badass i have a sneaking suspicion that badass is not his real last name um because Maybe it's French, like badass. Badass, but 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 he's also got dollar signs at the end, so I don't think that's real. Do they use euros in France? 
yeah, so that's even weirder if this is if he is French. This guy is just all over the place in terms of his name. But uh, I, I, uh, the album name is Before the Money, or if you spell it out, it's Before the A dollar sign dollar sign, which also spells badass, which is pretty cool. <laughs> um, this is just like a this album f- sounds like it fell out of 1996. And that's a really good thing because that was a really great era of hip hop, and I just think uh, Joey Badass has a damn good flow. It's really good with wordplay. Um, the instrumentals he picked uh, for the album are just really good. There's some genuine bangers on there, and then there's some you know more laid back like East Coast dusty ass boom bap beats that are yeah you know that'll get you like. So- if you- so is it more of a is it more of a um, a notorious B.I.G. or is it more of a West Coast G funk? Do you think it's definitely more it's, de- it's, it's definitely more influenced by East Coast. Um, you know, it's it's very dusty. It's not it's not super funk based sample heavy. Um, it's more you know it's very like dusty is the best word I can come up with for it because the, you know the drums and everything are very understated. Uh, the rhythm comes from, like, the frequencies and the way they're tuned and uh, just, you know, the MC's cadence over them. Uh, it all comes together sort of like Wu-Tang Clan, um, if you're familiar with any of their work. Um, but, yeah, it's a good album. It fell out in 1996. I'm, it hasn't left my rotation since I got it. Um, moving on, the uh, I ran into this album just completely by accident. I just I think I just saw it on Amazon and thought, hey, the cover's cool and I kind of like uh, the samples they're giving me, but it's uh, a French band by the name of Mademoiselle K and the album is Hungry Dirty Baby and it's just a really cool, uh, very sexy rock album. Uh, I w- If I had to compare it to anything, I would s- might compare it to last year's St. Vincent record, but not quite as on that level. Uh, in I terms- can see that. In terms, of, in terms of songwriting maturity, um, but... Uh, it's just a solid, fun album that's got a, a great variety of tempos and melodies to it. The singer is, she's awesome. I, I really like her voice, and just, it's just really distinct. Uh, and, of course, you've got that French accent, which is very sexy. Um, so I had watched the uh, the couple of uh, clips that you had posted, and the, so the first one was, like, more of a, you know, a pop, almost um, R&B type thing, but then, like, the... Um, the um and I'm I'm blanking on the names of the tracks, but then the other one was like more of a, a punk, almost like Susie and the Banshees, type, yeah, like new yeah. wave type thing. Yeah, it's got a lot of those influences in it uh, all over the record, um, and it's got some great song titles like "I Can Ride a Fucked Up Bull," um, <laughs> "Hungry Dirty Baby," "Fuck You," um, yeah, it's 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 just you know a fun album. I liked it a lot. Um, Sounds like something I'd like to check out. I think you should. Uh, and I would also urge you to check out the St. Vincent record. Because <laughs> that, okay. album, that album's really good. Um, moving on, uh, New Lupe Fiasco, Tetsuo and Youth. I think that album's just way too long and bloated. And it's like, I understand what it's trying to do. And, it, you know, it's trying to be a very conscious hip hop album. And that's what Lupe Fiasco does. But this album's got like three or four, eight to 10 minute tracks that just have like, no build up at all it's just like here's here's a beat here's a dude rapping for eight minutes and there's no dynamics to it and i just i like people are talking this album up like crazy but i just cannot get into it 
So is it a whole album full of like that Eminem rap god track where it's just like, look at this amazing shit that he's doing with his crazy flow and it's just like, well, the production's not that good. It's not really like tickling my funny parts that no, well. No, that's not really Lupe Fiasco's style. He's just okay. he's just a very good wordsmith and he's good at painting pictures. Um, like, like his lyricism, it, it's as good as it's ever been. I just think like the production is boring. Like the instrumentals are just so straightforward and uninteresting that like, I don't see why people are kind of flipping their shit over this album. When I think the, the Joey badass record is just way more consistent and, uh, just, uh, uh it has a bit more personality to it, I think. Um, so yeah, for, yeah. You know, to settle that debate, definitely the Joy Badass record over the new Lupe Fiasco. Uh, and my album of the month uh, that I absolutely cannot stop listening to is the new, is the new Slater Kenny album, No Cities to Love. Um, the return of, you know, some true rock goddesses uh, from the 2000s who haven't released a bad album ever. Uh, their last album, The Woods, is probably one of the best albums of the last decade. Um, and this is uh, an interesting for a reunion album because you know they've all been apart for I think about eight nine years and you know usually when you come back there's a bit of rust but uh, they haven't really lost a thing with this album and they've actually managed to add more to their style you know it's it's whereas a lot of their previous work sort of wanted to shy away from that being a little sugary every now and then you know because it's like oh look the chicks are being sugary you know uh, whereas they're more adventurous on that on this album and not afraid to you know be a little more poppy here and there and still have the edge that uh, all of their previous work has had they didn't miss a beat and yeah no cities to love is just a fan fucking tastic 31 minute record of yeah this is awesome good stuff um <coughs> so cool. so that's all that's all the music that's all the music I listen to, so I'm not going to bore you anymore, but I... You, you listen to all the music. I listened to all... Oh, I also bought the new Bjork album. Um, but Bjork albums take me a while to sort of digest, and I'm not going <laughs> to say much about that album right now, other than that, wow, it's got some layers. It's a, it's a daunting little piece of work, but uh, I tend to either get her work or I don't. So um, I, I'm undecided on that. Um, but anyway, that's all the music. I listen to all the music. Um, moving on, I recently discovered, and this is something that I've noticed in the past that I've always enjoyed and I thought was just, like, a really funny thing, but I didn't really start realizing it until more recently when I saw more people on my Twitter uh, timeline posting about it more often and... Um, uh, various premium podcasts that have been posted on Giant Bomb, but I really love listening to people talk about professional wrestling. What? It, it is the stupidest, most just, like, I can't explain it. It's like, I don't ever want to watch it, but I like viewing wrestling through the lens of its fans and the way they talk about it. I feel like it has a lot of the same appeal that Power Rangers, or even if you're like a super huge nerd, like the original Japanese versions of Kamen Rider or Super Sentai right. or any other tokusatsu shows. But in a way that presents itself as 
really serious and not breaking character ever. Yeah, yeah. And the way people get into that and the way they talk, like, there's two sides every time. It's like they'll talk about all these storylines and I want this guy to win. And then there's the other side where they're, like, talking about the inside baseball and the business. And it's like, well, wait, you know that this is fake and they're all planning it and it's all scripted and stuff, but... And it's just weird how they bounce back and forth between, oh man, I'm so into this, it's so awesome, and I'm believing this fiction they're putting before me. Oh, this backroom politics really pisses me off. I want this guy to win because he, he's been here for years and he deserves it. It's just like... And then there's just the weird storyline stuff you hear. Like, somebody was talking about a guy that comes to the ring with an invisible chainsaw. <laughs> And then okay. there was, and then what? there's a, there's another guy who wrestled air. Uh, that might have been Disco Inferno. Like he he pitched a whole um, story arc that he was going to wrestle an invisible man. <laughs> Somebody actually did that, <laughs> and apparently the same guy also wrestled a blow up doll. But uh, but there's but then th- you hear this really weird fucking nuance they put in it, like um, the chainsaw guy. He comes to the ring with an invisible chainsaw, but the way he explains it is that a few days before a match, he'll shave his arms to stubble, and then, like, when he's in the ring, he'll rub the stubble across people's faces, yeah, <laughs> and it's like, that's a chainsaw. <laughs> that's worse than that's worse than the guy who rubbed his ass in guys' faces, <laughs> Rikishi. But it was I like think, this 400 pound sumo wrestler, like Samoan guy. And he, and he did this move called the stink face, where basically he pushes them up against the turnbuckle and rubs his ass in their face. <laughs> and it's just like, I like hearing about this dumb shit. And then, like, uh, a Poncho and a few others, like, they post these weird videos all the time of these big, roided up guys trying to talk. <laughs> and it's just like, there was this one, and this this is why it goes, because I think I saw this video like two or three years ago, where there's this dude, and he's he's talking about how he's going to beat this other guy, and he's going on this big math equation about, oh. and I've got a 332% chance, so if you take away his chance, and it's just like, he's, and he's trying, like, he... He has to take a breath every three words, and he's trying to paint this big... I'm going to use that as the podcast outro if I can find it, because well, it's... The, the promos are an art form into themselves. <laughs> it's so good! And it's just like, this guy's going on for, like, two minutes about this big math equation, and it's just like, did anybody ever, like, sit down and think, and, and, and like, do the math and see if that's actually correct, or was he just bullshitting it? There's some animated version of that sitting up on the internets. It's really I'm gonna, funny. I'm gonna have to look that up because it's <laughs> like that's where I think it started, and that. But I think I can trace it back even further because during the first Let's Play Olympics, John actually did a wrestling promo. Oh, the Ultimate Warrior thing. Oh, I remember that. You dubbed yourself over the Ultimate Warrior and cut a promo on Zenitoto. And it was just like... <laughs> oh, God. And it was uh. the fucking hell... The most hilarious thing. But it's just like... So, like, so many people, like, on my timeline, on Twitter and on Tumblr, are talking about wrestling as of late. And it's just like... Oh, my God, these people are insane. But I'm compelled... So have you have you seen the one with uh, Macho Man Randy Savage and uh, the coffee creamers? 
No, like how he's doing a, he's doing a sleight of hand with coffee creamers. He's like the cream will rise to the top, and he'll <laughs> he'll he'll like pull out like a little plastic cup of coffee creamer, <laughs> and then like it'll disappear, and then he'll like pull another out of his sleeve. Like, the whole time he's doing this promo, <laughs> it's on YouTube. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look at that. It's but it's just people are linking like like more and more lately. It's just people are linking it, and I find myself like. Oh my god, this shit is so stupid. And it's like, I don't ever want to watch wrestling because I think it's dumb. And I, it's like, who's got Cause like. Because it's, it's fake punching for like uh, three to seven minutes at a time. Yeah, it's like, I don't. I, I like the mystique of only knowing what I know about wrestling by listening to other people talk about it. It's kind of like how um, our good friend Pat Rezel um, watched Evangelion on acid, and he doesn't yeah. want to watch it again <laughs> because it's not going to live up to that first experience. Right, right. So, yeah, that's just like, it's something that I sort of found, it's, it's a weird rabbit hole I found myself going down, just like clicking people's links and just like listening to people talk on forums about this shit, and it's just like, it's this weird two sides to how they approach it, 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 of just, like, totally believing the fiction, and then in the same sentence, going on about, like, the behind-the-scenes politics of everything. And it's just like, I don't know why that's so fascinating, and I'm, and, and like I said, I never want to watch wrestling, because it'll just ruin it for me. It's, I like knowing what I know by what people tell me, and I enjoy that fiction a hell of a lot more than anything that they could ever put on TV. <laughs> So there's that. Uh, <laughs> I also played a couple of games. Wow, I'm really going on this week, huh? Video games, huh? Video games. I, I actually played some of those. Um, well, actually, I quit playing one. Uh, Mario and Luigi Dream Team. It's aptly named because every time I sit down to play it, I fucking <laughs> go to sleep. Um, my God, I don't know how they made such a fun and joyous RPG series so freaking boring. Like, it has to stop and explain everything ad nauseum. Like, I'm 16 hours into the game, and it's still trying to explain to me, explain to me, (laughs) the simplest of aspects. And it's just so pointlessly long-winded. Press A to jump. So and if it, I can interject did you for get a that? moment, um, one of the complaints I have with Cat Goes Fishing, you know, a, again with its whole no save um, mechanics that you can actually modify yourself. So it also tutorializes it for you every time you start the game. It's like ah, you take your oh. boat off the shore. It oh. says you can't change your rods while you're off the shore. I'm like, yeah, I know. Uh, this yeah. sounds like a really weird like first game maker project it's, or something broken as shit it's like i think with like some minor refinements it could have been decent it's like you could have just put like a trigger to be like you saw that once and you'll never have to see it again that's not hard to do in any programming language and while i'm thinking about it like another thing that um i have a big complaint about is that um so the fish have a respawn rate if you catch them but if you just exit the game and then open it back they all spawn again so you could really just cheese the game <laughs> like that if you wanted yeah. to Yeah it sounds like um this was somebody's first project Yeah 
Which, hey, I mean, like I said, Which you've made it sound awesome. You've made it sound fun. Like, it I is definitely, fun. Like, I, I do. I do. I, I think you could find a worse way to spend like 30 minutes after you get home from work. It's just it needs some refinements. Yeah. You could spend that 30 minutes playing Mario and Luigi Super or, or Mario <laughs> and Luigi Dream Team. <laughs> but oh my god, it's just like it's so disappointing because I've I've tried to get into this game for like a year. And it's just like I keep trying on and off, and every time it's just like I keep getting put off because like, oh great, I'm gonna have to go here. They're gonna want to explain everything again. Oh, and just drop. Hey that Mario, shit. if you step on a Koopa Troopa, you can kick its shell and change the combos. <laughs> it's just oh my god. It's like I don't know how they messed this up. And you really liked the previous yeah, one. Yeah, I really loved Bowser's Inside mm. Story, and I really loved Superstar mm. Saga. Uh, Partners in Time wasn't very good. Yeah. But, I uh, love Superstar Saga. Um, I played a good chunk of Bowser's Inside Story and and liked it, and then delete got my file deleted, oh. and then I went back to it, and then um, dropped it because I played it for about three hours, and I had the same experience as you had with Dream Team, but like you had it like sixteen hours in. Yeah, they they still like Bowser's Inside Story still over tutorializes, but it's uh, it, it gets to a point to where they stop. Yeah, you know, but it, it might eventually stop instead of just going on forever. But it's just like uh, there's no challenge to this. It's really boring. I, I I just cannot find a reason to keep playing it at all. Um, mm-hmm. I also played the uh, codename Steam demo that's out, and it's boring as fuck. Great. Uh, <laughs> oh man, it's so bad. It's like. The, it, it's like, you know, you're, they're going for this Valkyria Chronicles kind of thing, right? But you don't have an overhead map. Mm-hmm. So there's like, you know, how do you strategize if you don't have a map? Um, and you're just going through these areas like a third-person shooter, but, you know, you're limited by your turns. And once you finish your turn, the enemies get their turn, but you never really see where they're at or what they're doing. Uh. You do, it's just like enemy phase pops up. And it says they're moving, and you've got a little progress bar at the bottom of the screen that just keeps tallying up. And, like, the second, like, I think it was the second or third fight, I remember waiting uh, for the enemy to make their turns for, like, a minute at a time. And it's just like, that's just downtime. I'm doing nothing here. The the pacing is so bad. It's just, ugh. It's like uh, there's no like I wanted that game really bad and I they completely unsold me on it. When does this come out? Like I want to say a month from now. It's either oh. um, it's either in March or May. So this is not some work in progress. No, this demo. is this game is probably like it's gold. It's it's shipping like that. <laughs> yeah, that that's too bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got a great concept, but it's just like. I'm not going to sit there and just wait. That is not why I play a video game. Like, if you showed me the enemies moving around, or if there was, like, a fog of war effect, or an overhead map that gave me an idea, you know, some kind of interaction while this is going on, uh, but it's just like, no, you're going to watch this bar move up. You can move the camera around a little bit, whoop-de-doo, but, you know, that bar is just going to move. Yeah, because enemy turns in Valkyria do take a while, but you're showing what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that that game's not going to be good, I don't think. Um, I wish it was because I was really excited for it, but I think you I'll want just... you want Nintendo to make new IP and for it to be good. Yeah, it's like, it's just... like I'll just I'll just buy Fire Emblem Awakening instead. 
Um, it's Spy Strategy Simulator. Yeah. Splatoon. Uh, Splatoon. That's going to be good. Um, uh, that's going to be Saints Row. Uh, it's like I see people posting stuff on Tumblr. It's like, you can go into this shopping, like, get all these outfits. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Saints Row. It's like I can get into this again. It's like I really just want to play dress up. I don't really care about the game itself. <laughs> and the characters are cute. There are no pants in that game. I'm okay with this. They like specifically said that squids like to wear all natural, so they only wear shorts in the game. Yeah, <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah, squids know what's up. Squids know what's up. I'm not wearing any pants right now either. All natural, like that. Are all, any of us wearing pants? All natural. I am. Why are you wearing pants? I don't know. Okay, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we want to get this. Like you did all of, you podcasts. did you did all of this talking about your dick, and then all of a sudden, oh, I'm just wearing pants. I think. Hey, look, I'm well, he has, well, he has to tuck up. How's he going to tuck in nothing? Hold it. Just hold it up. Just put your hand on it. Just be like, I got my hand on my dick the entire time in the podcast. Yeah, it well, works. We're almost done here. Okay, and the last game I played, uh, I finally played through Punch Out Wii. Um, that game looks cool. That game was really fun, and man, those those ethnic stereotypes! <laughs> wow, they are oh so blatant, and wow, it's like I'll acknowledge that's a problem, but I'll also admit that I I laughed a lot while playing that game. It's hilarious, but it's but it's all based on something that came out in the '80s. But then they also added Disco Kid, who is a, a gay <laughs> '70s club uh, rat type oh. guy. Yeah, it's it's. It's it's really like presented in a a very f- funny way. It's not mean spirited. <laughs> no, it, it really isn't. It's not mean spirited. It's just like, hey, here's this really these weird characters. St- <laughs> these characters are really silly. Um, but you know, hey, it's it's a fucking punch out game, and it's a really damn good one. Um, I think that. Um, Going through all the circuits the first time is a little too easy, and I think title defense bouts can be a little too hard. Um, yeah. The Aaron Ryan fight had me stumped for two days uh, on uh, title defense. Um, but I finally got through that and finished. Well, I, you don't really what? finish that game, I don't think. I think you just Would go you and... kindly counterpunch? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, ba- like, I didn't get retired, so... I don't... Uh, think you can actually get retired until you've beaten everybody in title defense oh really that's right because I like i think the manual says if you lose three times in title defense you retire i think that's once you've beaten anybody that's like if you're trying to get to donkey kong basically oh. like you cannot get to him by losing the three after donkey kong donkey kong's in this punch out game yeah yeah, Donkey there's, there's also like game? there's also like nintendo club exclusive dlc where you can fight doc Wait. lewis Oh right! Yeah. Oh yeah. There. Well, there's the Doc Lewis punch out. Wasn't that like a expansion slash like? Yeah, that's like any ex- version that came later. It's exclusive to Club Nintendo. It, yeah, it's not really DLC. It's like a standalone. Oh, thing. is it? Oh, okay. Because Nintendo discs. That would have actually that would have, <laughs> that would have actually you know kind of worked as a demo they could have released for the game. Oh. Yeah, yeah, but you know, Nintendo. What do they know? But I really like Punch Out Wii. I think it's just really fun. It's silly and it's you know amazingly easy to play. Like even the motion controls are really responsive. Uh, I was surprised because I, I I played through probably half of the game with you know the gamepad and just like keeping it tilted 
and playing like an NES yeah. game. Uh, but I tried the motion controls, and it was like, you know, this, this actually feels pretty responsive and good. You know, the game, you know, the game is either accommodating for that delay or like. You know, they've worked some crazy magic, and for some reason, motion controls work. <laughs> um, I, I just, like, with my limited experience on the Wii, the only games that I felt like really utilized the um, the controller setup well was Metroid Prime 3 and, to a lesser extent, Mario Galaxy. But yeah. even that was mostly just waggle, waggle shit with the B-suit. Waggle, waggle. Excite truck. Excite truck's all right. Uh, okay. I like that you could use like the, the, like this was before they had a steering wheel, so you just like tilted it, and it's actually not uh, terrible. Um, but I never really Wii like, Sports is fun. Well, yeah, Wii, Sport, <laughs> Wii Sports is the part well, that was, That's well, the that was the thing that sold the the console on you know um, newscast where they're like, oh look at this thing where you know video games are you wave a thing now and it's um it actually works this way. Um, old people can your citizens it. can play it. And mm-hmm. My, my dad to. could play tennis in that. So yeah, yeah. didn't Dance Central kind of give that system a bit of a second wind? Didn't, um, like I think, lots of people get that. I think that shit still sells on the yeah, Wii. and the Zumba, fi- the Zumba Fitness <laughs> <laughs> that sells big in Europe. Um, but um, in Europe where they people are mostly fit already anyway. Yeah, like America. <laughs> Damn it. I think um, you can actually use the bounce board on Punch Out Wii. You can, yes. Bounce yeah. board. You use it to uh, dodge, I think. Yeah, I have a bounce board, but I've never actually played the game that way. I should try to check that you, you out should, sometime. You should try bounce that. Board. That just seems so impossible. Bounce pad. So what led to you playing Punch Out this week? I just anything in particular? Not really. Well, actually, I take that back because I saw uh, Eric was going to stream it. <laughs> And uh, I was just like, hey, I never played that. And I watched him do a few fights on it. I was like, you know, I'm going to fire that up and play it tomorrow. And then I went through it in a few days. Got stuck at Aaron Ryan. Hated him. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like that, I guess that was the only cat. Like, I really just wasn't feeling a lot video game-wise. Like, I kept looking at my Steam library and was like, there's just nothing I want to play right now. Um, and my Wii was sitting there like, hey, hey, give me attention, please. Please. <laughs> I got I got Mario and Punch Out. <laughs> it's just interesting timing because Punch Out came out on Wii U the same time you played it on Wii. Oh, did it? Yeah, that was the one before Metroid Prime Trilogy. <laughs> oh wow, I didn't know that. So it was ten bucks last week. Oh, that's Wii. that's why Eric was streaming it. That's then. yeah, he probably picked it up. Okay, but yeah, that game's really cool. Um, I, I think it might have been better as a download title because it is insanely short. I got a decent number of hours out of it because I was not nearly as good as you. Oh, I, I like the trick in that game. Like the biggest, the biggest change I think is like the way you you can like counter punch everything and get really mm-hmm. easy stars. Like if you watch a guy's animations enough, you see where he's going to come at. You can just counter punch it and get easy stars, and then three star knockout. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I was never good at the NES one. Like I've never gotten to major circuit in that. So. The major circuit I, guys in this one were kicking my ass like I fucking never got Sandman. Past, um, Soda Popinski in the NES version. He was <laughs> or vodka drunkinski. <laughs> that name but, is so what, bad. What game were you playing? <laughs> that was this ruined the innocence of my childhood. <laughs> yeah, that's such a terrible name. It's like, yeah, come on, guys, tone it down a little bit. <laughs> 
Well, in the arcade, though, it's like you had even more racist stereotypes, like pizza pasta. The Italian yeah, pizza guy. pasta. Um, uh, I don't think the black guy had a bad name. I think it was just like Kid Quick or something. Which well, I think. Had, well, there was also Piston Hurricane, who was um, the Caribbean one. Which yeah, Hurricanes Caribbean. John knows all about that. Yeah. Um, Apparently, Kid Quick was his name. Is the name of Disco Kid in the actual? Files yeah, for that's the his. Game? Yeah, he was originally going to be uh, bringing I'm back. Just, yeah. yeah, which is really cool trivia. Yeah, um, but yeah, so that's basically all I've done. I've taken up all your time with all of my boring shit. So, um, yeah, yeah. Holly, with your Cora talk. Sorry, <laughs> an hour and a half. I'm sorry. How did um, that even get to Breaking Bad? <laughs> I don't know what. I'm gonna trace this conversation. It's just all over the place this week, but that's fine. No, that's how we roll. No. Um, so Rhett, I'm gonna ask you the question I always ask you because that's our shtick, and we're gonna stick to it. How's yep. early access doing? Bad, terrible, horrible, no good. Would you say it's shitty? It's shitty. Okay. Um, and we don't really have any news. I think really worth uh going over this week other than joystick being shut down and yep. i think i think that's a real bummer um there was news but it was all a bummer yeah uh joystick shutting down really bums me out because i think that they were sort of like the last good news site for games yeah because it, for a while there it was just destructoid and then kotaku and joystick and joystick was like more of the like objective and brr, ethics and yeah um, and massively shutting down, uh, affects a good friend of mine, Mike Foster, who's really cool. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm really bummed that all those guys are losing their jobs because AOL is a, a shit. It's really just a shit. Oh, that sucks. That's all it is. Um, so with that bad news out of the way, hey, Rhett, why don't you cough up an email? Do you got any? I got two emails. All uh, right. First, hit us up. First one comes in from Fresno and... Asking a very appropriate question for this episode, because we already talked about this. Okay. Hey, all. Having just come off a huge binge of watching Avatar The Last Airbender, I pose this question to you. What are your favorite Western animated programs? John, why don't you start this one? Steven Universe. (laughs) That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally my favorite. That's it. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. What else... I liked Invader Zim. Um, I watched Invader Zim. I liked it. Steven Universe is much better. They're very different. I know. But no, they're completely different things. <laughs> Steven Universe is a better, different thing. <laughs> I read Johnny. I read Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, which is the comic by that guy. Yeah. I thought that was cool too. Yeah. I think I still have those. Mm. <clears throat> Uh, if we went into movies, I, I don't have a lot of syndicated TV w- experience with um, Western animation. I think I watched some of the Batman show, which is obviously great. And yeah. I watched um, the Spectacular spectacular Spider-Man show and liked it. The X-Men show was really good, too. Oh, and Simpsons is great, obviously. Uh, Simpsons yeah. was great. <laughs> yeah, it was? Yeah. Uh, that was just, no, I was running at the X-Men, but... What? Mm-hmm. I'm just. Uh, are you talking about X Men Evolution, or are you talking about like the earlier '90s X Men? The '90s X Men that aired on Fox. Yeah. So that one, that one was okay, but then like one. it also kind of led to the Spider Man, which was absolute garbage. <laughs> was Spider Man bad? I didn't. Yes, like it. it was horrible. 
I didn't like it at all. I remember that theme song just because it replays the same loop. It's (laughs) pretty bad. Because when you guys were talking about 80s cartoons being really bad and stuff, like, I kind of remember X-Men being the first show, like, I actually cared about to follow. And they Mm -hmm. had a really, like, they they were good at keeping ongoing stories going. Yeah. But but DC's offerings were so much better. The um, Batman the Animated Series and Superman. That show was so good. Yeah. I mean, if you compare something like Spider-Man or X-Men, like, I I like Spider-Man as a kid, but if you compare that shit with... um, Batman, just Jesus. Like, there's like, so much, like, artistry and craft and Batman going on, and is, there's just no, nothing lately like it, it seems like. Right. That was a few years later, though, I think. I'm not entirely sure. No, Batman the Animated Series was 1992. I think X-Men really? was a year later, and then Spider-Man was, like, mid-90s, and Spider-Man okay. was god-awful. I have to check Batman, or Wikipedia now. Mm-hmm. Well, that's John's job. I think Batman eh. was a little later than 91. 92. Mm-hmm. 92. I, I'm pretty sure. Let's get... Did he ask for TV shows, or did he say um, just, just Western, Western animation? Animated. Oh, well, fuck. I've got a ton of... I I love um, lots of Western cartoons. Anna and I are kind of like Disney aficionados. We have just dug deep, deep into that hole, and we fucking love Disney movies. Um... Yeah, uh, we probably watched Beauty and the Beast the most, um, and Frozen a bunch, and Tangled the most, just because those two are recent and really good. Um, I really dug the Lego movie that just came out. I've been trying to get her to watch I, the I Iron like Giant the Lego movie. Um, I'll, yeah. I'll give that one credit. Um, I feel like it did a good job. I feel like it did a good job portraying Batman as um, how nerds perceive Batman as like the guy who's awesome at everything and is so full of himself. I know. It, everything about that movie is like that, where it's just working on like so, such a higher level than you expect it to. Um, yeah, for what really looks like a dumb like kids thing, kind of like the Lego Harry Potter, commercial. Lego Star yeah. Wars, Lego Lord of the Rings video games, but it just it, it's really surprising that way, and especially like that last thirty minutes or Ugh. so of it. Oh yeah, that's that. Yeah, that that's smarter than any of the Pixar movies in recent memory. I think. <laughs> Oh my god! Like I like Lego Movie. I think is a lot smarter than Toy Story three, which came out not too long ago. I really, really like that movie a lot. Um, and I want to get Anna to watch the Iron Giant. But, also, um, oh yeah, Iron Giant. Yeah, she yeah. has to watch that. Yeah, Western anim- and Secret wow. of Nim, Land Before Time. There's so much great, great Western animation out there. It's I'm a weirdo. And like, I'm a weirdo and like Titan AE. Uh, that was cool. okay. I only saw Isn't it that, once when it was in theaters. Joss Whedon write that? I don't know. I think Joss Whedon, I think that's one of Joss Whedon's things, actually. Um, so, Boner, what's yours? Uh, SWAT Cats, The Radical Squadron. Wow. <laughs> and <laughs> and also Freakazoid. That's good. I liked Freakazoid. Freakazoid was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe not the earlier Freakazoid so much, but later on it kind of... It, 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 it found its, its identity. It found its identity. Is that show on DVD or anything? I, I, I have, well, yeah, there's two volumes of DVD, and I have them both. Oh, really? So it's I don't know thing. if it's on any streaming media, but it, you can probably be... find it if you have um, access to purchase things on Amazon. Hey, Amazon Prime's got freaking Doug, okay? So... Amazon Prime has Garfield and Friends. Wow! I've been watching it. It also has probably every season of Power Rangers, as does Netflix. Jesus 
Wow. Oh, and it's all, I've only seen the three seasons, but I think I'm comfortable saying Adventure Time's a favorite. I'm going to keep watching it, though. That's Boner, right? That's Boner. Boner doesn't like Adventure Time, I'm guessing. Yeah, well... It's or a, he just had a lot of beans. It's a weird-ass little thing. Por qué get, no los dos? I get that. But, I'll, get, um, I'll get Spanish poly I, I think, in here to get that for you. But I think there's a lot <laughs> going on under the hood of that show. I think it's cool. Uh, right. Let's see. I will go with Beast Wars, motherfuckers. Ooh, I cool. loved Beast Wars. Um, oh, I need. To, I really need to watch that. That's that's by uh, Mainframe, right? The guys yep. who did reboot. Yep. That, oh, that, I've, always heard, I've always heard that that's the best Transformers like, thing. Really is like, like by it's, far. It's it's like the first season. Like the first ten episodes are really good at setting everything up, and from that they start cruising into just these the. <clears throat> You know, the series has a logical conclusion, and they race toward it at, at a pace that is really interesting. And there's a lot of evolution throughout the course of the series. Um, it is so good, uh, and just like the the like the, the fighting, I remember thinking, "Holy crap, this is really brutal for a kids show." Because the fighting scenes are just really well laid out, and there's just a lot of impact and a lot more violence than you would expect. Cool. Um, so polar opposite of Sailor Moon, basically. Basically, yeah, yeah. Uh, stay away from Beast Machines because that show is garbage. Uh, that, that was like the sequel. It's what? Ser- it's garbage. Mm-hmm. Oh, and just to be clear, Beast Wars is the CG animated one, right? Yeah, uh, Beast okay. Machines is also CG animated, and like it does look better. Like it is a better looking show overall. But, but wait, if if you're saying CG animated Transformer one, so um, there was also a more recent one on the Hub um, called Transformers Prime that was CG animated. Uh, the Hub it. being the network that only anybody knows because they showed My Little Pony friendship as magic. Which uh-huh. Boner is a huge fan of. I know. Um, I like the rainbow one. It flutter butt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I watched a video that made one of the recent um, Transformers sound pretty good, too. After saying Beast Wars was their favorite, and then maybe it was Transformers Prime. Just saying, I think they really liked the Starscream <laughs> in that one. I am holding... I don't all, know much about Transformers. I am holding all of Beast Wars in my hand right now. And that makes me happy. Because that show is really good. Cool. Yeah, I'm watching some clips on YouTube. Do you now. just have it on a flash drive and you're like, yeah, I picked up that flash drive. <laughs> no, I've got the DVDs <laughs> sitting uh, on a uh, uh, a stand that's right beside me. It's where I keep uh, the DVDs that I still have in packages. <laughs> because I got rid of all of my DVD packaging uh, a while ago and I just used Nifty. I, I, just, I just couldn't stand it anymore. But there are some things like uh, the Lane box set, which is really good, um, and the Beast Wars. You know, it's like I don't want to get rid of those boxes. You know, those are, mm. like, those are those are shows that are super important to me, and I still like having the packaging for those around. But um, yeah, cool. maybe uh, I'll Beast, check out Beast Wars. Beast Wars that sounds is probably cool. probably my favorite. Awesome. Next email. Yeah, you never you never did a top um, cartoon <laughs> list on SNPS, no, did you? No, nope. you didn't. No, no. I was busy at the time, and I just couldn't get it out. I, was, I, I answered a question on an old form spring about what my top ten were, but I honestly don't remember. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Beast Wars topped that list. Um, and I'm sure Doug was probably on there, too, because I really love Doug. All five of my top... 
my top five on that list on SNBS are all anime. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> and the number six is Fantasia. So, or like whatever that's worth. Nem, the Secret of Nem is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that, was okay. a, that wasn't a very good follow-up to uh, Secret of Mana. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, I was really... Dumb, everybody but, rats. I don't get it. But let's be real. Secret of Mana itself wasn't a really good follow-up to Secret of the Stars. <laughs> Tecmo Secret of the Stars. It's <laughs> so good! Play that game. It's so great. I, I, oh, fast. Is, is, is that a, is that a football game? No, it's, it's, the game is just called well, Tecmo. Tecmo. I mean, like, Tecmo. they only do football and then like booby physics fighting games, right? It's something <laughs> like that. It's a great, wonderful RPG that everybody should play. It's, it's so really... good. I, it's one of the most underrated games of that era. Wait, really? I, I thought you were being sarcastic at first. Seriously, play it. It's fan-fucking-tastic. I love oh. it with all of my ass. Wait. Wait. <laughs> Next email. All I know about Secret Act- of the Stars Next is that it's email. Really Hold on. <laughs> it's Speaking a really... Of, I'm not going to answer this question. Game. Oh, my God. I'm not asking the question, and John won't shut up either. <laughs> all right. Speaking of top lists, both of you need to do your Gen 5 lists. I've got 15 games written down so far. Both of, both of who? John and Polly. I don't care about you, sorry. I have a fantastic uh, Well, that's, that's good. Cause did you do one? I don't remember. I didn't. Mm-hmm. No. I haven't you done the rest do. of the list, but I have 10, and they're awesome. I can guarantee you my list won't awesome be in next that. week because I'm going to be too busy, but I will try and have it the week after. Yay, that means I don't, I don't have to worry about it for a week. <laughs> yeah, it's basically... John will wait till I say there's ten hours left, and then do it on like the night, the eleventh. Red, Red, I still haven't done week three of the Let's Play um, uh, Secret Police of Nazi Germany. So, um, the what? Yeah, <laughs> SS. Uh, <laughs> so, so Gen Five list will be a long time coming. Mm-hmm. Okay. Was my Kirby video good? It was it was like a different format than I'm used to. Was that nice? I haven't gotten around to watching all of last week's videos yet. Cool. I thought that fucking heart. <laughs> the emulator issues kind of hurt it. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. When it, when it was like, That's oh, I'm dying over and over here. Should have practiced first. <laughs> yeah, but then that kind of loses a lot of the charm of the idea too. But yeah. So it's just a weird thing, like Zeusness. Is works perfectly for almost everything. I use BeastNest these days. Yeah, I've heard that that's more It's more processor-intensive, but it is hyper-accurate. Cool. But All PCs right. are so fucking strong now, who cares? Exactly. Well, it's not a matter of strong, it's a matter of, like, emulator compatibility and what effects they can and oh. can't do. So, mm-hmm. BeastNest beast seems to be the Does one. Does it do the sound better? Yeah, it really does. Okay, cool. Because, like... Car- it's, it's why that. I'm playing Chrono Trigger uh, for my stream on BSNES instead of ZSNES because because so, so otherwise you're, you're the dark matter sound effect isn't right. Currently, I'm I'm streaming right now. Where? <gasps> Shit. I'm not streaming right now. Oh. Was there another email? Next email. This is one only I can answer. So okay. Aww. This is from Sir Rock Grumbletron. <laughs> Why can't I rescue all the green people in Resogun? I keep killing all the glowing keepers, but someone always dies. What am I doing wrong? Uh, I, can probably, I can probably answer this because I played Defender. 
Well, in Resogun, you kill the green keepers, and then a little human pops up, and you pick up the human and drop them at the safe point. The problem is, is that every level also has two secret humans that seem to just just kind of appear when you destroy a group of enemies that isn't marked whatsoever. And I think if those get away, it'll just say human lost. So that might be what's happening to Mr. Rock Grumbleton. That's kind of bullshitty. Yeah, I've never gotten all the humans in a level because sometimes they'll just be like, you got a secret human. It's like, what? Why? <laughs> you have to like memorize the enemy patterns or something, which is kind of hard to do because it's a 360 degree viewing field and you can't see everything at once. So I think that's what's happening is that it might be counting the secret humans as once he's lost. Because it. it sounds like it's a really loud alarm. If you let a human sit on the ground, a UFO will come and try to steal them back. Mm. And but it'll be like I'll loop that <laughs> five or six. I'm gonna loop that five or six times. Have you ever regretted doing something as it's happening? Yep. <laughs> I'm gonna loop. I'm gonna that loop that for twenty seconds. It's gonna be the new Death Grips sound bed. <laughs> I'll put I'll put it in Doof Grapes somewhere. Oh, God. <laughs> Are you going to send out those lines this weekend like you keep saying every fucking week? Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I was having eye problems this weekend, okay? Aw, don't make me feel bad. I'm going to make you feel bad. I had eye problems all fucking weekend, and then I buy you Hyperdimension Neptunia, and oh. this is the shit I get? I'm sorry. I forgive you this time. I'll blame it on John this time, but you, you're getting a pass this time, but not every time. John, fuck you. Oh. So is that yeah, our last says, email? fuck you, Rhett. Is that our last email? That's everything. So I guess it's time we're going to wind shit down. Uh, Mr. That's Jonathan. Good. I'm really tired. John, where are we looking for you at? Farawaytimes.com. Everything's right there. Cool. Boom. Rhett, where are we finding you? Twitter.com slash Rhett. Inconsequentialexistence.com. Yeah, sure. Whatever. I haven't updated in like a year. But you're going to be putting out Bullet Face soon. Yeah, soon. <laughs> yeah, in like a day, right? In like a week, right? Like gigantic quote marks. <laughs> the largest, most lying quote marks ever. Uh, and Boner, where are we looking for you? Bravo, Papa, Whiskey, November, Echo, Romeo, Tumblr, com, or also Boner on, or Bpoonertron on Twitter. Cool, and I'm Polly. You can find me around the forums. And with that out of the way, just remember, you lovely little motherfuckers, we're the only podcast that loves you. We're the only ones that love you, bitch. You know, they say all men are created equal, but you look at me and you look at Small Joe, and you can see that statement is not true. See, normally if you go one-on-one with another wrestler, you got a 50-50 chance of winning. But I'm a genetic freak. And I'm not normal. So you got a 25% at best at beating me. And then you add Kurt Angle to the mix. Your chances of winning drastically go down. See, the three-way at sacrifice, you got a 33 and a third chance of winning. But I, I got a 66 and two-thirds chance of winning because Kurt Angle knows he can't beat me and he's not even going to try. So, Samoa Joe, you take your 33 and a third chance Minus my 25% chance, and you got an eight and a third chance of winning at sacrifice. But then you take my 75% chance of winning, 
If we used to go one-on-one and then add 66 and two-thirds percents, I got 141 and two-thirds chance of winning at sacrifice. See, Joe, the numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you at sacrifice.